All right. All right. We're give me, ready give to me, dive into this. Give me 30 seconds, Scott. All right. No girl for me, And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Hello, I am Scott Gardner, and welcome to what I expect is going to be a very special, epic-length episode of Back to the Bins. Over the many years of doing this and other shows, I've made no secret of the fact that my hero is Superman. And anyone that knows me knows that a lot of that love for that character stems from my favorite film of all time, Superman the Movie. And of course, Christopher Reeve's performance informed my impression of who Superman is and how I think he should be portrayed. But I've seldom gotten the occasion or opportunity to talk about my other great favorite comics-to-screen interpretation of The Man of Steel. And since this September will mark the 25th anniversary since its debut, I thought now would be the perfect time to gather some like-minded pals to discuss and celebrate what I feel is an oft-overlooked and underappreciated depiction of the world's first and still its greatest superhero. So please welcome back to the show, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. What's up? How's it going, man? Doing great. So happy to have you here. And of course... All the way from Staten Island, New York, David A. Pascarella. How's it going? Great to be here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Very low-key. <laughs> well, I mean, how do, you top, how do you top the theme? I can't. You can't? All right, so you might as well just give in and surrender. You win. <laughs> is it, is and it we are really, here to is talk. Is it really 25 years, Scott? Yeah. For, for the Can you believe that? I, yeah. uh, oh God! You know what? Why don't, why don't you say what we're talking about? <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about Superman, the animated series. And okay. you know how I know it's 25 years? Because my oldest boy was born just a few months before this show debuted, and wow. uh, and he turned 25 this year. And that's what kind of clued me in. It's like, man, you know, Superman's got to that Superman show's got to be right around this. So I looked it up and was like, holy cow, it's 25 years. We need to do an episode. So here we go. It's and, a classic now, officially. Yeah, right. It certainly is in my book. Yeah. So I want to touch on before we get into the topic of the show. You know, your history, each of you guys with the show. All right. Um, so the show debuted on September 6th of 1996. And uh, let's see here. We'll just go in alphabetical name order. Uh, Chris, I'll go with you first. What's your personal history with the show? Did you watch it as it originally aired? 
Uh, yeah, because it was 19, what, 92 when Batman the Animated Series started. And I was that kid that was, whether it was the after-school Fox stuff or the Saturday morning Fox stuff, I was watching the Batman the Animated Series and the X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons on Fox Kids. Um, so once they said that they were doing a Superman show and I saw those previews, it was just, yep, I will be there for that because that looks great. So, yeah, 16 years old. Um, yeah, 16 years old and still just being a total total nerd like I am at 41. So who cares? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave? Well, for me, I, I knew it existed and I wanted to see it. And I did see occasional episodes, but I was working at the time. Oh, you're old. Because I'm old. Yeah. And we didn't have the concept of in demand, oh, you want to watch it now. It was set the VCR, and I just yep. never had the – you know yep. what a VCR is, kids? No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not go there because this is going to be – the first solid uh, watch I had of that was I bought the VHS tape of uh, World's Finest. Oh, yeah. those three episodes on a cassette, right. you know, a VCR tape. Since then, though, I, I had purchased it on DVD and watched through the whole series. Multiple times, I'm sure, like me. Multiple times. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I watched through those yeah. episodes yeah. and then went through them again when my daughter was uh, maybe three or four. So. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things that for the young kids that are in my life, when they started to be interested in, in this kind of stuff, the, the pop culture-y stuff, it's superheroes – this is how I would introduce people to Superman, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love Superman, the motion picture. You got the title wrong, by the way, Scott, big fan. Um, it's the motion picture, not the movie. Uh, <laughs> sorry. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, everything that you want to have encompassed in a Superman show with what had come before picking and choosing the best stuff from each decade is in this show yeah absolutely yeah i totally agree yeah uh, one of the the big reasons i wanted to do this episode was as i said in the opener i, I think this is right up there with i actually I, I really don't think there's anything else but superman the the movie or i'll, I'll say the first two superman films although there's definitely elements of three and four that i like quite a bit as well but say this, the Christopher Reeve live action films and Superman, the animated series. I, I think that's pretty much it when it comes to Superman on screen. I, I think it's those two stand on just about equal footing. I, I think this show is a wonderful like distillation of that character from the comics. But I think it's just a wonderful interpretation of him. That's it's it may not be you know, page by page, literally faithful to it, but it, it gets all the flavor, right. You know, it, it doesn't yes. have to be a literal interpretation for it to, to give me the same feels. And, and the same. in some ways, I think they made a lot of improvements. And I'm I, sure. We'll talk I, about yes. As we go I 100% you know, agree with you. I, I would throw in, I think it adopted from another source as well, being slightly older. My first introduction before, Superman the movie was The Adventures of Superman. Right, right. Oh, I remember and that too. To me, that portrayal of Clark Kent 
is more in line with the animated series than the movie. Yeah, because Miles, he wasn't yeah. a, he wasn't a geek. He was he was kind of cool, Clark Kent in the old mild mannered but focused. You know, and he could throw right. down too if he had to. Yeah, he would stand <laughs> up for himself as Clark Kent, right? In as much as he can as the mortal human being. Absolutely. Well, real quick, before we get into our, our top fives here, which is what we're going to cover uh, this evening, we're going to cover our top five favorite episodes, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of uh, honorable mentions and such along the way. Oh, yeah. My personal history with it, uh, now, tell me if you remember this. I remember when it debuted, because I'm pretty sure it debuted during prime time, and I specifically remember this really annoying character that would introduce, like, he introduced the show, and then when it would, I don't know about when it went to commercial, but when it would come back from commercial, he would bring the show back in. And I always remembered him as, I knew it, it wasn't Sledgehammer, but it reminded me of Sledgehammer. And I tried like hell to look this up, and the closest I came was a show called Nick Freno Licensed Teacher. Which oh, yes, like yes, yes. A month yes. or so before Superman. Is, am I right? Is that who it yeah, was? Yeah, that, that was a Fox show, and yeah. I can't remember who the actor is. And oh, honestly, I think I had expunged that from my memory. Yeah. <laughs> but, but thank you for I, bringing I that I back. But, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's no different. Well, the, the Batman, the animated series, I mean, that was the, the first couple that they did were primetime. That started in primetime, the uh, the ones with the, the red claw, you know? Oh, okay. um, yeah, so, I mean... It, and that was kind of Fox's claim to fame for a while. So they had The Simpsons and they had, we're going to have the all ages, you know, animation, you know, for stuff for kids, but your parents can watch it too and enjoy it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not sure where I was with Batman and the animated series by this time. I had definitely, I didn't, I didn't get into Batman the Animated Series right out of the gate. And mostly that was my own fault, my misinterpretation. I thought Batman the Animated Series was an animated continuation of the Burton films. And so I just didn't really get into it. Um, and it wasn't until I saw – I'm, I'm one of the lucky few that actually got to see Mask of the Phantasm in the theater. You are lucky. And because of seeing that movie – then it lit the fuse for me. Okay, now I'm invested in, in the anime. I've got to see this animated series. So by the time this came along in 96, I probably still hadn't seen all the episodes, but I was then watching Batman, the animated series. So I was into that. Yeah. And based just on the quality of that and, and how great that was and everything. And then, of course, this was going to be my favorite hero, Superman. I was jazzed for the debut of this. So, I, you know, I was definitely in front of the set and everything. And, uh, I can remember watching it faithfully, you know, whenever it would air and, uh, you know, or videotaping it as it were, you know, if I couldn't be in front of it. And, and I definitely, you know, tried to get all the episodes. And I think that definitely adds to my love of this series is all the fond memories of, of watching this with my my oldest boy when he was at his littlest. Because I can nice. remember, you know, as he started to grow up, watching some of the later episodes, you know, where he could really understand what was happening and, and thrill to it like I did. You know, some of the later ones, like with uh, Kyle Rayner, I remember him really liking that one as a kid and stuff like that. <laughs> so I have really fond memories based on, you know, of course, the character, the quality of the show, but then also just, you know, watching it with my son. But it's funny, I, I remember it 
jump and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it jumped around a lot or it was spotty toward the end. And I wasn't ever sure I'd, I'd actually seen all of the episodes until later when I actually got them, you know, on DVD and, and was able to watch the whole series. And, and that's I, I don't remember watching any and being like, oh, I've never seen this before. But I, I always wondered, like, had I seen them all just because I remember being kind of choppy and spotty there at the end. Yeah, I thought the last bit of it, if I remember correctly, was when they decided to do the new opening for when they did the the fourth season of Batman with the redesigned animation. Right. And right. they did the combined intro, because that, that was your hour block. It was the Superman-Batman, you know, adventure hour, basically. I can't remember what the new right. adventures was. Um, yeah. So I think it, it, it did go from... I can't remember if it was every weekday or if it was Saturdays, but... Yeah, that's going way too far back for me. I, I tend to think I, I tend to remember now that you say that that it was on Saturday morning. I, I that's what I think too, but I, I I'm not sure. But that's what I had in my memory was that it was Saturday mornings. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I and I, it could have been after school though, because I remember a lot of the Batman that I watched was the afternoon block for Fox right. Kids. Batman was in the uh, that I remember too because of the, when Batman started airing I was still in college and I worked for a bank so I was home at 3:30 and I'd watch Batman but Superman um, I tend to think you're right but it was on yeah. Saturday yeah yeah those, that that last the third season of, of Superman was I think it was I think it was on the the Saturday mornings. I could, I could be wrong, I just, though. I, I have a memory of it being, being choppy. Of course, it was probably, you know, life got busy for me at the time, too. But it, I, I just have this memory that it was choppy. Because now that I think about it, I, I think I did miss Leg- Is that The final two episodes were Legacy, Legacy 1 2, right? I think I Legacy missed two, those yeah. because Superman references the uh, what happens in those in like the Justice very League. first episodes of Justice League, and yeah. I didn't know what he was talking about, and I remember having to seek them out to to bring myself. And up. There was a gap between yeah. between that and Justice League. A yeah. long gap. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was. I, I'm gonna go on record right now. The the Bruce and and Paul version of the DC universe is probably my favorite overall. Yeah, the yeah you know, because the well, it was internally I, I consistent the whole time. You. you know. Yeah, absolutely. So. That's the greatest loss that they haven't continued with that, uh, or that they haven't given those two guys the reins to be like the Kevin Feige of the DC movies. No kidding, right? right? But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hate for me saying that. Whatever, I don't care. No, well, then they would I, be wrong, dude. I've been saying that for years. I, I I've never understood why, and, and I don't want to tangent into this too much because this could be a whole other part. Yeah, let's, quick aside. But, you know, I, I've never understood why, especially with all the problems they've had, that, you know, what what my what I've always been fond of saying is, look, you've got a blueprint. <laughs> they've got a blueprint right here. Well, they've got Batman, it's, they've it's got the, Superman, the they've got Justice League animated series. That's your blueprint. Do that. It's the too many cooks <laughs> in the kettle thing, really, is what yeah. it is. So. But we don't need Absolutely. to go there. Let, let, let's focus on yep. the goodness. Absolutely. Um, I want to keep this positive and and, and, a, and just a love fest here because uh, I know how much we all really enjoy this show. So we're going to yes. go ahead. We're going to dive into our top five favorite episodes of Superman the Animated Series. So 
I'll let you guys fight it out. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. You know why? The first one that popped up on my list is the very first episode, Secret Origin number one, right? <laughs> this is the one that takes place entirely on Krypton. And you know what it has? Jor-El, Man of Action. Yep. <laughs> that is why I love this one. And I love that they use the, the, what is it, the late 60s, early 70s designs for the, the Kryptonian costumes just the voice cast alone like when you christopher mcdonald you think of uh, happy gilmore and some other stuff but oh my god is he a great Jarrell? and this thing yes. lays all the groundwork out it does the classic story of yes the world i don't care how krypton is is going to explode as long as it explodes right it doesn't matter what it is overmining or uh, radiation or the sun getting to it doesn't matter that's all just nitpicking it focuses on that. It focuses on Jor-El and Lara's struggle to keep their son safe. It brings in Lara's father, and it has an introduction of one of the biggest characters in it, too. It has Brainiac as being a... And this is one of my favorite things about this whole show, is the way that Brainiac is directly tied into Krypton. So yes. I, just, I get sucked into the... This is my favorite version of Brainiac... It's probably my favorite version of Jarrell as much as I love, um, <clears throat> you know, the big ham from the motion picture. But I just, I get sucked in watching this. If you watch this first one, you have to watch the other two. Like, you yes. just, you have to. It's a, it's a mini movie. Yeah. To me, it's one episode, the three of them. It, yeah, and I, and I and I was really trying to be hard on myself because otherwise there'd be, a, like, a lot of the crossover episodes on here, but you know, with the world building and stuff, but this builds the world for Clark Kent in this version of Krypton, which is a very 60s pop zany science fiction world. And that's kind of what I want from Krypton. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. hundred percent. Dave? I, uh, you know, I, not to say me too, but I cheated. I, I made my number one pick was the pilot, the first three episodes. <laughs> and I, I'll be blunt with you, I love this Krypton too for the same reason. You know, reading the comics when I grew up, it was still that version of Krypton with the headbands and all that. And initially when John Byrne came along and changed everything, in the beginning I wasn't too happy with that. I said, well, that's not what Krypton's supposed to be like. But... <laughs> This, this it's it's perfect, and I, I love his father-in-law, Jarrell. Was Sulvan? Sulvan, yeah. How in the beginning, yeah. you know, it's like you're crazy. You you don't know what you're talking about. But when push came to shove, he backs the family. Yeah, and th and that's the other thing. Like the Kryptonians in this aren't these robotic people, uh, you know. And I, and I get from a science fiction perspective why you might want to do something like that to differentiate them from humanity, but. They're still people, you know. They got four limbs and a nose and a like. So it it brings me in closer than the cold aesthetic. And I know it's crystals, but it's a cold aesthetic of the motion picture, which I love. But this to me is more high science fiction, you know. You you know what what line in that episode I can still hear in my head? That's like the punch to the chest is uh, right before the planet explodes, I think one of the policemen says, Not another one. No, 
best one. Yeah, it's so good. This is such a quotable episode. There's there's a lot of really good lines like that in this episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll jump in with my. Uh, I'm, this is my number five. I'm going five to one. You guys don't have to do that. But that's just. It, I couldn't. Now. I couldn't put them in order, dude. I couldn't. Well, yeah, my 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 two, three, and four are are easily interchangeable. But my number five and my number one were kind of calculated because my number one came to me immediately. I knew what my number one was going to be. But uh, right. my number five, drum roll, please, is <laughs> Last Son of Krypton Part One. <laughs> So I suspected we would have some crossover, but wow, I didn't realize we would all pick the same thing as our, as our, the first one to talk about. But uh, for many of the same reasons that Hero said, uh, that both of you said, my first note on why I love this episode is Superman is a science fiction character. And Hero, you nailed it. I, this is a science fiction episode. And I like when any creators that handle Superman remember his science fiction origins. And this really does Krypton very, very well. You guys know me. You know I'm a huge fan of both Superman the movie, but also John Byrne's uh, reimagining of Superman, particularly the Man of Steel miniseries. And it's really hard for me to say negative things about that series. But time and many, 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 many rereads have kind of worn down a few things for me to where there are things that bother me about it. And, And one of the things that bothers me about it is... I like the general aesthetic of his Krypton, but it's always bothered me that that Krypton is very cold and and emotionless. And Jor-El is really the only person seemingly with any feeling. And so when Krypton is destroyed in in that miniseries, you don't get that moment between Jor-El and Lara because they don't really know each other. They don't love each other. He may kind of have a thing for her, but I don't think she really feels anything for him. And so it is flawed. I I hate to say, but that's just kind of how I look at it is it's great, but it's not what I want. When I watch this, I'm getting exactly what what I want. I get just enough of the aesthetic from other interpretations of Superman, like Superman the movie, and John Byrne, but I also really get that silver agey Krypton that I always love the best, like you said, with the headbands and, and just that general sci-fi look to it. It almost looks like a, a futuristic Earth in, in some aspects, you know, monorails and flying cars and just cool looking buildings. I love all that stuff. I'm such a sucker for that aesthetic. Indeed. So it really works for me. I really like Lara in this. Uh, I think she's often kind of shoved to the background of of Superman history. I I think Jor-El tends to always take the spotlight, but I think Lara is a pretty strong character for as briefly as she's in this, this episode. There's actually a a little tension between the two of them over, you know, what's going to happen. And And I like that. It adds a little drama and it adds a little something to her character. And I like that, you know, they do clearly love each other and that they're they're together at the end. Bruce Tim in the commentary track for I think it's this episode. It's one of the first three episodes covering, you know, the origin of Superman talks about how he tears up every time he watches the, the sequence where Krypton is destroyed. And Bruce, you're not alone, dude, because the there's real emotion in that sequence. 
and the score, the the beautiful yes. score in that really helps. I, I forget off the top of my head who scores that episode, but it's really strong. It's it's a really good piece of music, and it and it really makes you feel something for a world that you've only seen for you know, like 12 minutes before it gets blown up. But it's yeah. you know it's, I mean, it's really that's, powerful. That's the thing. Like it should hit you like the Moses story. You know, like the yes. first time you hear the Moses story when you're in Sunday school as a kid. And I, and I realize not everybody's Christian, but right, it has to hit that beat of what kind of despair is this family going through and what can we do to save this child at the cost of everything else? You know, right. So it, it has to hit you. And, and, and yeah, Superman. I mean, it's usually portrayed as the story of a, of a father and a son. But I like the versions where Lara is a character as well. And not to poke the bear at all, Scott, but watch the first 20 minutes of Man of Steel, and it's pretty similar. Um, you Take that however you want, but it, that's the kind of relationship that you get in the beginning of that movie. Um, you're, just, you're always right w- with that, 100%. So. Huh. Yeah, that I did not know. You, then, turn, then you can turn, turn it, it off after Krypton explodes, or keep whatever. But <laughs> if you want the Jarell man of action and 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 Jarell and Lara love each other, it's worth a watch just for that bit. And it is that high sci-fi, crazy Krypton, you know. So it's what makes the loss of Krypton a tragedy as opposed it, it, to sitting there going, all yeah. right, no great loss. Yeah. You, you have to yeah. get in, sucked into those two people. Cause that's your entry point. Absolutely. I don't care about the other random scientists or the hoi polloi of Krypton. If, if Jarell and Lara don't feel it, then you don't feel it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. My last note on this one, you're going to like this hero. Brainiac is finally made interesting and given a good origin story that ties him directly to Superman and Krypton. I I love that. I always liked Brainiac. This show made me love Brainiac. He he finally stepped up to making a, a logical sense of why he has issues with Superman, why they're butting heads over something important. And I like that. I never really got that from comic book Brainiac. He was just yeah. a Superman bad guy that I didn't understand. Yeah, it's just it, it it's so weird. And 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 I love a lot of the the artwork from the you know the the, the Silver Age Brainiac stuff. But taking what essentially is his essence, and 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 I know it's a radical interp- reinterpretation because he's not the kind of sly, wry little bit of a personality i mean he is a cold efficient piece of artificial intelligence yeah and he has pants well who doesn't <laughs> like pants I, I mean i don't want to wear pants but if i was a super villain nah, as opposed to, uh, to the brainiac in the original comics who had like the speedo on or whatever it was. with that body you can get away with it i guess right. and especially if you I have guess. a monkey on your shoulder but also, uh, you know, he's voiced by Corey Burton, who's one of my favorite voice artists of all time. I mean, the guy's just he, he's a machine with voices. He's incredible. And he does such a great voice with with bringing it probably my favorite voice that he does. Honestly, I, I really like that. But yeah, great, great choice. Great episode. The voice casting across the board on this is so choice. Speaking of voice casts. 
before we got started with, you know, the, the listeners didn't hear this, but just before we got started, we were talking very briefly about the HBO series From the Earth to the Moon. I have been slowly rewatching that, and I caught something, and other people may have caught this years ago, but I just caught it, and it really made me chuckle. Uh, there's an episode where the character of Emmett Seaborn, who's a newscaster, he's played by shit. Now my mind's going to go blank. <laughs> he played Perry White on Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Yes. Lane Smith. Lane, Lane Smith. Smith. Yeah. Thank you. He shares a scene with a young man. I, I don't know the character's name or exactly what his function is, but he is played, and this is all live action, mind you. He's played by the actor who is the voice of Jimmy Olsen in this show. So you have Perry White and Jimmy Olsen <laughs> on, you know, from the Earth to the Moon. I always thought that was really cool. Nice. Uh, all right, number four, or however we're counting on this. Chris, you're up. Okay. Uh, I won't dive right back into Brainiac. I will move on to something else. I will move on to Mixus pic- Pixelated. Magark! Oh, no. When you think about that character, right? Mixus Pitalik is the most ridiculous character ever. And the fact that he is such an annoying little prick. And they got Gilbert Godfrey to <laughs> yes. do the voice. Uh, <laughs> and it's just... And I get it. No Mixus Pitlick story is ever going to be a, a world beat. Like, it's not going to be Galactus coming to eat the planet. It's just going to be this total jerk tooling with somebody that he really... I mean, Superman really has no power over him because the one of the best things that they did when they reinvented Superman was he cannot... I mean, a magic affects him. So it's just, I I get so sucked in by Godfrey's performance and the fact that it's the golden age interpretation visually of the character, where he kind of looks like the Jeep from Popeye a little bit, (laughs) makes me love it all the more. And just, they're breezy episodes. You know Superman's going to win, but the fun is in watching Gilbert Godfrey toy with this massive world beater. And there's nothing Superman can do about it except go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to have to use my brain to outsmart this little twerp, you know? And it's just it's just a cavalcade of ridiculousness. And I just I have a big smile on my face every time Mixus Pitlick shows up on this. I think it's only two or three times. But, oh, my God, that's just a character that I would... I would love to see in in live action. I know he's been portrayed in the in, you know the Superboy show and in the Lois and Clark, but I want this. I want this tiny, two foot tall, bulbous head, annoying son of a bitch, messing with the Man of Steel. <laughs> Isn't that what he looked like originally in the comic book? Yes, yeah, the Golden yeah. Age version. Yeah, yeah. Golden Age. Okay. And, and I don't mind the, you know, the big pigtail version, but I mean, he's a, he is a cartoon character that's coming into the quote unquote real world. Right. He should look as ridiculous as possible. Like he should look like you hate him, but you kind of love him at the same time. Well, I, I tell you, when this one was coming up, as I was telling you, I, you know, I've recently been rewatching the series and as this one was coming up on the on the playlist, I was like, oh, God. And I rewatched it 
And I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I mean, it's not one of my favorites. You know, full disclosure, I, I have always, always hated comic book Mixia Spitlick. I just never liked him at all. He never worked for me. I never read a story of his I particularly enjoyed or anything. I just, for a lot of the reasons you like the character, are a lot of the reasons I really hate the and, character. And that's fine. you know. But... That's- that's one of the magic tricks of this animated series is that there's a number of characters they took that just didn't work in the comics and really made them work in this series. And Ixy yeah. Spitlick is definitely one of them because I enjoy both of his episodes quite a bit. Oh, the um, one with Brainiac is great, too. Like, yeah. that's like a combo that I need to see that in live action, too. That's unbelievable. <laughs> with Bizarro, you mean? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. I need to revisit these because, uh, <laughs> like you, I, I just never liked Mixel Plick, as we called him in my day. Mr. Mixel Plick? No! Repeat after me, bright boy. It's Mix. Yes. Spitlick. Well, I mean, right. Gilbert Gottfried is very on point. Mix, yes, spit lick. <laughs> so there you go. He spelled it out for us. Well, I, I credit this episode with giving me, you know, a pronunciation guide for both that and one of my favorite words now is kill tipsies him when he says kill it backwards. Him. I'm like, how the hell do you say that? You know, you, I never knew. But, you know, then you watch the episode. And I'm like, hey, that's actually pretty easy to say. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, this this episode is uh, I, I'll grant you it's a lot of fun. I do enjoy this one. Yeah, it's a, it's a Sunday it's the Sunday morning funnies, a light Superman adventure, and not everything needs to be dark side. And I think you're right. I think the voice casting of uh, of Gilbert Godfrey was inspired. I, without him, I don't know that the episode would work, or, or at least not work as no, well. No, it wouldn't. It, it's it's so perfect because I mean, you think of Gilbert Godfrey and you're like, yeah, he's kind of an imp. So, yeah, <laughs> spot on, spot on casting. What you got, Dave? Well, my number four is Apocalypse Now Part Two. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it has so much in it from uh, Dark Side's invasion to to de- to defeating Dark Side. And then that tragic ending, it's the tragic ending for me that sells it, where Dan Turpin is killed. Oh, that and was, I, yeah. I Ooh. always had such a soft spot for Dan Turpin, particularly in this show, because I like Joe Bologna, the actor who plays him. And they made him look like Jack Kirby. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And, and, and it, it shows the, the, uh, the heroics of a non-powered person, you know, particularly, you know, a cop on the beat who gets killed and there's nothing that can be done. It's a, it's a bitter ending where Superman just, he can't save the day. You know, it's not everyone gets out alive. Right. And I liked that his funeral, I mean, he's Jewish. He has a rabbi. That there's an acknowledgement of, you know, a higher power than what you see in the Absolutely. world. So I, I read that, somewhere that that's a that's a real rabbi they brought in to voice to do that, to surprised. sing the little. Yeah. 
That, that, well, was, the, that was a nice touch. Yeah, and that's one of those ones where I kind of wish they had the original version on the DVD because the, um, the bystanders at the funeral are modeled on a lot of industry professionals in the original on-air version, like Stan Lee and a couple of, like Steve Ditko and stuff. And then, obviously, they didn't get those rights, so they had to change it a little bit for the, you know, when it actually re-aired. So I, I don't even think I can somebody, find pictures of it. Somebody clued me in recently, and I checked it out. Um, on HBO Max, they have recently added Superman the Animated Series to their yeah. lineup, and it's all been digitally remastered. And they did do the version you're talking about oh. for this episode. So now those people are, are included. Great. I had trouble. I wish I had like a, like a guide to go by for who everybody is. Cause I couldn't identify everybody, but you could definitely identify like Reed and Sue of the fantastic four. And I think Bruce Tim was in there and some other, you know, some other people. So yeah, that was, that was really cool. That was classy. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's, and that's when the, the Tim verse kind of got real dark. I mean, the, the Batman, the animated series was dark to a point dark enough to be serious but not like too scary for a kid but this was i I mean this is the first time i remember in that universe where there was a major secondary character death and it it kind of and if you're dealing with dark side and the new gods you kind of have to hammer that point home just to show how powerful that force is but yeah that was i remember watching that one and going oh oh yeah no, Superman can't save everybody. I'm I'm 16, 17 years old, but it still it still hit me. Yeah. Didn't they do something similar in the Justice League episode where they believe Superman is dead and they have a funeral and there's all famous people in the crowd? Oh, it's been a while since I've rewatched. I, I know the one you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, I I I'd have to. Yeah, that's when he gets well. sent to the future. Yeah, there's only the red sun. Well, you know, on that subject, the first time you ever saw this episode, was there a moment that you thought maybe Dan wasn't dead but teleported? Because I, I kind of remember vaguely having that feeling. But then after the funeral thing and the way the episode ends, I thought, oh, surely not. Surely they wouldn't do that. You know, that, that'd be kind of tasteless. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think for me, I, I don't think I had that reaction because the Batman the Animated Series was was relatively dark, and, and even I realized that as, at the time as a, as a 16, you know, a 13, 14-year-old kid. You know, I mean, they had Nora freeze frozen and, and unable to be saved and, and, you know, some other stuff happened in that show, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt like it, it kicked me right in the you-know-whats right away. <laughs> I didn't think he was dead right away. You know, I, I couldn't believe that, you know, they would have killed a character as big as him i mean he right. was in a lot of episodes right well, at a least good amount, yeah. yeah and i always liked how dan kind of over time you know i don't think he was ever outright you know there was an outright animosity to superman like like there was with bullock and batman but i yeah. i did feel like it took time for them to kind of chum up to each other but i felt like by the time that this happened that they had won each other's friendship and respect. And so that's why it, I think it adds a, another layer of depth to it when he is killed and Superman can't say, he doesn't even see it coming. Yeah, nobody did. Nobody did. Yeah. 
the the final few minutes of this 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 one by the way is not on my my top five but it was in my honorable honorable mentions list and was real close to be on my top five because I really like this episode and it's it's mostly for the ending those final few minutes after all the the mourners are walking away there's this great shot of Superman just standing there in silhouette over Dan's grave and his cape's kind of billowing and he's got his head down and the sky is all orangey you know it's a sunset behind him and it reminds me of an old Neil Adams cover uh, from when I was a kid but it's just a great piece of art and he talks to Dan and everything and then the reveal of the of the tombstone that says uh, Dan Turbin Earth's greatest hero I, I just love that whole thing but the scoring in that and the way it ends with the uh, I think it says not the end at the end of it always gives me chills because it's very it feels very much like the end of like something like best of both worlds or, or you know some of the other like really big uh, you know television moments like that I mean it, it was a it's a really powerful episode yeah, yeah I, I always really liked that one it's a good yeah. show it's uh yeah it's a great episode so my number four, and again, my, my, my four, three, and two are almost interchangeable. I really had trouble ranking these particular ones. So oh, ask well, Hold on one week. second, Scott, because I just got a message from the Big Baba <gasps> that he wants to come on. Oh, all right. Here we go. Let's see if we Let's can, see if we can get him in here. Add him into the show. <laughs> Let's get the elder statesman. Here we go. All right. Adding to call. Hopefully we're not no, losing call. Let's see if he gets in here. I'm in here. Oh, he's here. here. Hey. Welcome oh, to the Oh, stop show. pretending like you're happy to have me. <laughs> we'll have you however we can get you. Welcome Preferably to the with show. a nice Chianti and some fava beans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Paul Spataro. What, now, what show is this? <laughs> I don't know anymore. So Good have you got show. your have you got your list handy? I've got a list. <laughs> I, I actually when we came up with the idea of doing this, I actually like rushed to come up with a list. Then I started watching them on uh, HBO Max, yep. and I got probably about midway through the second season, and I said I'm going to finish this off and and get you know get a, give a a real true list of it, and yeah, no. So I'm still back to the original <laughs> list that I, was, that I was just doing from memory. Well, we love to talk, so we haven't gotten real far. So if you want to give your uh, your brief history with the show, uh, like you know, did you see it when it debuted? Did you watch you know the episodes first airing, that sort of thing? And then give us your number five and number four, and that'll okay. get you up to speed. I truly wish I had seen it when it was first coming on because I think it would have been more impactful on me at that point just to see the way they were playing with the dc universe in it uh but you know when this was on i had just become a new homeowner and shortly afterwards i had just become a dad and i really just this flew totally under my radar at that time uh eventually i guess when they got to to just at some point when it was on the justice league cartoon i started watching uh and then i kind of went back and and saw these episodes and I as much as I really did enjoy them and do enjoy them I think I would have enjoyed them even more if the universe hadn't expanded yet uh you know I, I liken it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how much I loved 
Iron Man when it came out and, and uh, the Hulk and Thor and Captain America. And then it expanded on itself and we got to, you know, to, to the Avengers. And you, you really want to see those things, if at all possible, in sequence as it develops and it ramps up. And that, that was the one thing, you know, one regret for this is I wish I had watched, you know, Batman, the animated series, and then watched Superman, the animated series, and then got to the Justice League. Hmm. But but right. stepping into it in the Justice League and then going back and again I really enjoyed Batman the animated series and Superman the animated series but I think I would have enjoyed them even more if it was like a whole new world opening up to me. Understandable. Yeah. How about you guys? Well, you are. You know what? I'll listen to the first part of this episode eventually. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to listen. You're gonna have to why, listen like everybody else. Them, why don't we tell them the episodes that we already covered? Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so we did uh, Secret Origin. Okay. Some of us so was part one, and some of us was all... part two. Uh, oh, are we only allowed to do one part of episodes? I, that's how I restricted myself, yeah, but I'm sure I we're going to talk about too. everything. Dave did not, but I did. I'm, I'm with Dave. I did not restrict myself on, on parts. If it, was, <laughs> if it was one story, I said, that's fine. I can go with that story. So, yeah, shockingly, all three of us chose Last Son of Krypton for, for our first choice. for our number. We're going five to one, so that was our number five. Our number four, Chris had... Mix us pic- pixelated. Just spic- okay, and I, and I, I love, just to throw in the thought, I, I get a big kick out of Gilbert Gottfried, so that episode <laughs> really doesn't for me. Some, he's he's a, a polarizing guy. Yes. Either you love him or you hate him. So is the character. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. But, uh, you know, I, I, I get a big kick out of him. I, I've been listening to his podcast, which I get a kick out of. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he he's just, there's something about him that it's just, you know, it, it it just makes me laugh. <laughs> yep. And my uh, number four was Apocalypse Now, part two, the death of Dan Turpin. All right. In, the, in that case, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say my number five will be Apocalypse Now, part one, <laughs> which is there we covered two- the whole episode because <laughs> I did have that one on my list. So I'll, between us, we made the whole episode. So we'll put that as my number five. Now, is that because you really like the, the fourth world stuff, the Kirby stuff? Yeah, I do. I, I would say I'm a very, very big fan of the concept of the fourth world. Right. In execution, <laughs> I'm not always a fan of it. Uh, and, and when I can now, I'm picking up those things. If I can find them in the not expensive back bins. Right. I, I am picking that stuff up because I, I love owning it and I, and I really enjoy it. But, you know, I, I've never been one to be an apologist for Kirby's writing skills. I think he's the most most creative guy uh, ever, uh, you know, including anybody else in comic books. I don't think there's anybody who's been more creative than Jack Kirby. But he always needed someone to, to kind of reel him in, and Stan yeah. Lee was the perfect partner for that. So when he went out on his own, his ideas were still phenomenal, but he did not have that reeling in. Uh, and I think I've said this on the show many times, but... I, again, I, I'm a big fan of the characters, uh, not always the stories. So I, I really enjoyed it on uh, the Superman series. Well, that's one of the things <laughs> that we been... talked about was the, this show taking some of the really crazy Superman ideas and characters and actually improving upon the initial concept. Absolutely. Which I, uh, I, I, I don't even know if they improve upon the... Uh, the, the fourth world stuff but they just you know 
they they take what was developed over years and years and years because I mean that stuff was introduced in the early 70s. So by the time this came out, it was you know close to 30 years old, yeah. uh, and it had been it had been honed many times by other writers, uh, not as necessarily better than Kirby, but certainly more cohesive than Kirby. Uh, that's probably yeah. a better turn of phrase is cohesive. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not a big fan of, of the Kirby fourth world stuff. I'm like you, Paul. I, I like the idea of it. I like the concept. It's the execution that loses me. Uh, at least with the Kirby fourth world stuff done by Kirby. Um, there's a lot of the comic book stuff of that, you know, done by, by later creators that I, I actually kind of dig, like, you know, the Don Newton Return of the New Gods and stuff like that. But this... And again, I'm sorry if this is heresy to some, but to me, this is the best interpretation of that fourth world stuff because it is cohesive and it's exciting. It's it's really good. I'll, and I, I'll, I I'll agree they, with you, Scott. I, the, I think the, they're distilling the, the the Kirby flavor, but doing what you know you said needs to be done, Paul. Is it kind of needs to be curbed a little bit? You know, some of the some of Kirby's eccentricities and that sort of thing. And yeah, I, I think this is a, a really powerful two part. I, I think the whole fourth world arc on uh, the animated series is, is really powerful stuff. Well, and they do it and the again, right I'm way, not too. Usually that fond of these characters. Well, they do it the right way, too. They sprinkle in that little bit with Bruno Mannheim early on in season one, and then things just escalate to the point where we get to that gut punch of, of Apocalypse Now and then Legacy down the line. Right. I really like Orion in this episode, too. I always kind of liked him. I thought yeah. he was cool. All right. And what about your number four, Paul? Number four, I'm going to go with New Kids in Town. So <laughs> of course. We, a Legion we, episode, yeah. We had an appearance by the Legion, and, and you know that had me geeking out a lot. Of, and they did actually have a short-lived Legion cartoon. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that, but uh, it, it, was, it was, you know, it was all right. It wasn't, you know, the greatest thing ever. It was a, a little, I think it was a little bit more kiddified than this was. This stuff, you know, we, I was watching this with my daughter the other day, you know, as we were watching some of it. And we were saying, this, this is, you know, truly family friendly. You could sit there and watch this as, as a middle-aged guy, or you could sit there with a, a seven-year-old and watch this. You know, all of this stuff is just, you know, really for everybody. I thought the Legion stuff when they came up with their cartoon was a little bit more aimed towards the younger audience. Uh, I think a lot of that was the animation style, too. I, I do clearly remember that show. I never finished it. And that's on my I am doing a rewatch right now of the DC animated universe. And I know Legion isn't technically part of that, but it is on my to watch list because I always wanted to know how it ended. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be rewatching that one. I, I rewatched the pilot not long ago. It's OK. It holds up. I mean, it's I'm, fun because it's the Legion. Well, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with with Legion stories, especially if they're supposed to be like 13, 14, 15 years old being aimed at a younger audience. And, and that I mean, that's OK. There needs to be teen superheroes for young kids and teenagers to glom onto too, you know. So good choice, though. Yeah, that is a good episode. Yeah, that's a fun one. All right, so my number four. I'm the only one that hadn't gone with the number four yet. My number four. Oh, you made me get mine before you, you creep. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm going last. I'm going last in the order. Oh, yeah, yeah Mr. Special. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> my number four is A Little Piece of Home. This is the uh, introduction of Kryptonite episode. 
there is one huge well i mean there's many reasons it's a really really good episode but the biggest reason i should say that i i love this episode is the score i never would have thought that a, a jazzy uh saxophone and piano piece would be perfect scoring for anything to do with superman but the chase through the city when superman is is chasing um biff from back to the future back to the setup where the kryptonite is to weaken superman so the guy can beat the snot of him that whole chase sequence has this wonderful it's like lounge music but it so works i i don't know who chose it i don't know why they chose it but it's it's, perfect it doesn't lock you in yeah yeah and it it's so good and uh i have the the box set that they put out it was uh la la land put out um a box set of music from the animated series i'm not a big fan of that because that was a really weird choice of episodes um and my a lot of my favorite episodes some of the best scored episodes in my opinion are not on it but this one is, and uh, it's the one that I listen to the most frequently because it's just a beautiful piece of scoring. Um, but I like this one for a lot of reasons. Superman fights a giant dinosaur, yes, which is the really dinosaur. Cool. Um, you know, it really—it's uh, a good Lex episode, and and I really like this show's interpretation of Lex Luthor. Yes. Um, the animation in this one is top notch. They're really firing on all cylinders with this one. There's a lot of good uh, relationship interplay between Superman and Lois. And I, you know, this is the first time you you see Superman kind of taken down a peg, and I, and I really like that as well. So there, there's just a lot of reasons to really enjoy this one. But yeah, great, great episode in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I, I like just. I don't even want to just limit it to this one episode. I just like the way Luthor was portrayed on this series. My oh, favorite yeah. Luthor, too. Uh, my know. favorite Brainiac and my favorite Luthor. Oh, Clancy, Clancy Brown. Brown did an awesome job on the voice. Uh, you know, my, my initial familiarity with Clancy Brown was from... Uh, Highlander? No, uh, <laughs> it was actually from Shoot to Kill. Never heard Sydney of it. Poitier, Sydney Poitier and Tom Berenger. Oh, uh, huh. I'm not familiar with that. And, and Kirstie Alley. Yeah, for uh, me would, it was would, what Chris said. I would recommend seeing it. I would recommend <laughs> seeing it. He's very, he's very, he's very good. Let's just. I'll put that, that on my list to watch. Somehow or other, I I learned of him being cast for Luthor before I ever saw the show, and I remember my reaction being the Kurgan as Lex <laughs> Luthor, and not of not like with the yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Not not like sticking my nose up like ah that'll never work, but just thinking wow what a weird how is that gonna work? But it totally does. You know what? Though? And I tell you, I, I would love to see a crossover. As much as I hate SpongeBob SquarePants, I'd love to see a crossover <laughs> just so we can get Lex Luthor and and Mr. Krabs in the same room together would be awesome to me. It it would be. <laughs> Yeah, this version of Luthor is... It, he's the brilliant scientist, the businessman, and the somewhat sociopath who thinks he's in the right. Like, it's so good. Yeah, we as we were doing our you know partial rewatch the other night, we were talking about Lex Luthor, and we went into again... You know, she was like, why does he hate Superman so much? And I started talking about my... Uh, how I enjoy 
most often when a villain is portrayed in a way where you know you know that in his mind he's the hero of the story yeah he's not just a psychopath he thinks he's he thinks he's saving humanity from superman which i just think is a very very difficult thing to portray correctly and they do yes yes they do well his little speech his little speech that kind of explains his animosity towards superman at the end of last son of krypton part three is almost verbatim from john burns man of steel which is another reason i really love this version of the character you see uh superman i own metropolis my technology built it my will keeps it going and nearly two-thirds of its people work for me whether they know it or not even you have to admit it's a model of efficiency. That's right out of Man of Steel. And uh, and yeah, I love that. It's good stuff. Yeah. The whole concept of taking Lex Luthor and making him the businessman, both in the comics and in this series, and even Lois and Clark, to me, it's a whole step up from the mad scientist. I, I, I'm not oh, going to lie. Yeah. I like the mad scientist, too. But I, you have to make it work. And you can I think have my, fav- be a my favorite I Lex just... Luthor is the super suit Lex Luthor, though. I like super suit. Uh, I'm not going to complain about that. Where's my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need to know? The, um, but you know what would be, I, and this is me just spitballing here, you know what would be kind of fun? The the golden age Lex Luthor coming back with just, I got a chunk of kryptonite and I just want to beat the bag out of you. You know, like, why not? <laughs> I think that's time for a reinvention, right? I have a deal to offer you. I'm listening. As long as I have the rock, you can't stop me. But it is bothersome to have you always trying. So, the deal is this. You leave me and my operations alone, and I and my little green rock will leave you alone. I don't make deals with criminals. I control everything in this town, Superman. Your cooperation is not really necessary. The offer was merely a courtesy. You will never control me, Luthor. Never! Well then, I guess I'll have to kill you. Bruce, uh, Tim, and Paul Dini have described this version as a cultured thug, heavily influenced by the Telly Savalas version of um, Blofeld. Which right. is probably another reason why I really like this version, because Honor Majesty's Secret Service is one of my favorite Bond movies. You know, I never made that connection, but now that you you've said it, yeah, Telly Savalas. All right, Dave, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you you've forgotten because Chris did mention that when we did Honor Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> no, 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 I, I have, know, that, but I, I mean comparing cachet. it to Lex Luthor. You need to listen to me. Yes. Yes, wow, he, he, used, he specifically used the term cultured thug on our episode. Wow. And he compared it to Lex <laughs> Luthor. See, I don't remember. Well, you're old. It's okay. That's true. Why are we here again? <laughs> so, Spider-Man. Well, you're up, Chris. What's your number three? All right. Oh, see, it was so hard to whittle down a list because I knew, like, all the heavy hitters you guys were going to pick, so I didn't want to do that. Um, but I, I will put a heavy hitter on here right now. This is a later episode, Nighttime. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Me too. 
and I and I tried to. I'm going to make that my number three now. I wasn't going to, but I, I and I, tr- go I really tried to avoid the crossover episodes because that's <laughs> one of my favorite things about the whole show is the world building that they do. But oh my god, this is just like Batman's missing. Robin says, "What can you do about it?" And Superman, being the stand-up guy that he is, is like, "I'm going to put on the cowl and pretend to be Batman just so I can save Gotham." Because they're not going to see me the same way that they would see the Batman. And it's so entertaining. And it's also a Brainiac episode. So, now, you know, when it's tied I, I, I watched this one with I, I, my kids when it was, you know, when, when we were doing it. And when he does Robin's was, voice and Robin gets like, all so freaked out by it, they yeah. were hysterical. It's they so, thought that was the funny thing. He was like, don't ever do that again. They thought that was just the funniest thing, and and I just remember that really stayed with me. That was on my list. I'm moving it up to number three. Okay. Just, just, Sorry, just guys. So that I don't have to waste <laughs> another one. Yeah, and, and really, my Did top you... five could have been all crossover episodes, but this one is just, oh, man. Actually, I'll pick another one for number three, and I'll move that to honorable mention. Now, it's, did you and Dave both say that this was on your list? Same spot. <laughs> oh, that's funny. it was. It was on my list, but I'm yep. shifting it to honorable mention. And we didn't cheat, right? We didn't do this beforehand together. No, know. this one's on my honorable mentions list for for two big reasons. Superman pummels Bane, which I yes. just love. You know, dressed yes. as Batman, so Bane, Bane doesn't know that it's Superman. He I know, and then Bane's facial expression after he gets the shit kicked out of him is the oh, best. Oh, he does. Part. He just beats the shit out of him which i love and then my other uh thing that i love this episode for is one of my favorite moments you know just little bits of the entire series is in this episode where robin goes he's really being controlled by aliens i'm deeply hurt (laughs) i just love (laughs) you know what and it's such a superman (laughs) thing to say it like that like i'm not going to be a total dick to you I'm not right. going to be 70s Superman's a dick, but I'm going to let you know, hey, man, <laughs> you do know I'm not from around here, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then again, it's Did also we, uh... it's it's also Tim Drake. Like, he's also, you know, he's a kid. You know, what are you going to do? Did, did right. we discuss what an awesome job Tim Daly did uh, as as the voice actor for Superman? We've mentioned the voice acting being above board across the whole show. And yeah. <laughs> What's amazing to me is that they eventually replaced him with uh, George. I don't even remember the guy's Newburn. name. Newburn. Newburn. Yeah. I won't Who lie. did it almost as well? Like, I kind of like Newburn better. I don't, I don't like him better, but I thought he was. Exactly. I thought he was close to as good. He's, he's a little bit older. He's a little more seasoned. That's the voice that Superman would have after dealing with Darkseid multiple times. Well, yes, I'll, I'll give you that. Delaney I. I, I awesome. For an older Superman in the Justice League, and you know, and and it's got a few, you know, it's got some mileage on him. I'll give, I'll give you that. But yeah, I'm glad Paul brought this up because we'd be remiss if we went the whole show and didn't talk about Tim Daly. Um, The reason I really like Tim Daly in this role is that not only don't I think that he has just the perfect voice for the role, and and really you can tell he's into it. But also, this guy, in my opinion, would make a great live-action Superman yes. as well. So, in 1995, he would have. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I think he's fantastic. He's right up there with Christopher Reeve for me. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, and he, and he kind of does the um, 
the George Reeve thing where there's really not much difference in the voice. Right. Which, <laughs> which, which I'm fine with. You know, Batman I can see putting on the... <laughs> so you don't know who it... But it's Superman. You're in awe of the cape and the big S shield and the fact that he can beat the bag out of you and flick you in the head and you're dead. Like, he doesn't need to change the voice. This show just knocked it, you know, since we're on voices, it just knocked it out of the park, I think, with everybody. Yeah. What's it? Mike Farrell as Jonathan Kent, frankly, is my second favorite Jonathan oh, Kent. Oh, I got to interrupt you, Dave. I also love this show because both of them are still alive. Yes. The fact that both of his parents are still alive. Yes. And the fact that it is a real life couple. It's like, I I I understand you. The woman that plays Martha is Mike Farrell's wife Wife. in real real life. life And I never knew that until just recently. That's uh, Shelly Fabray, right? Yeah. 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 She she played the love interest on Coach. Oh, okay. The TV show. But yeah, or I mean, she, was, she was in uh, the Donna Reed show. If you want to go way, way back. Yeah. And they're they're great. I, they they might be my favorite Kent's, too. You know, it's just I, I like the fact that he's got both of his parents alive. Not everybody, not every superhero needs to have a dead family member. Like, I agree. seriously, he's already got the dead family member. It's his biological mom and dad, you know. And, and that's one of the other things that I really loved about this show. Like, he can go, like, Mom, Dad, I'm having trouble. I got to talk to you. <laughs> you know? So That was the whole thing in the, the reboot in the 80s where I previously said I didn't like the new Krypton. I love the fact that the Kents are alive. Yeah. It yeah. adds so much. Absolutely. I like in this show that they actually, I mean, not only are they alive, but I mean, they, they serve a practical purpose because they factor into a number of episodes and yes. a number of things that happen. And there's, there's a lot of nice little moments with them. And I know we're keeping this centric to Superman, the animated series, but in my opinion, probably the greatest episode of the Supergirl? justice league was no. the Christmas episode. Christmas. With the yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that episode. My favorite moment in that is when he, when he wants to, you know, what is it? He wants to uh, carve the turkey or open the tree or whatever. So I always get to do that. Like Superman right. acting like a young boy. I just, <laughs> and, and they wrap his song. presence in lead. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> When John's standing awkwardly at the door and he says, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Kent, my name is John. I'm from, uh, he goes, I'm a Martian. And uh, Jonathan Kent just welcomes him in with, you know, open arms and says, oh, we're no strangers to aliens in this house. God, I love that line. That's, it's so perfect, right? I love it. I mean, that's, that's Superman. You know, it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Yep. But back to this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's see. It's uh, Dave's turn, I think. Uh, oh, I had nighttime as well. Go to your next one. Now, why okay. do you like that? One? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Come on, let give us one. You you have an honorable mention list, don't you? I have the brave, brave new metropolis. That's oh, on my list. Oh, I suck. It's on my list. <laughs> well, that's a great episode. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, I almost think that. Lois dies. Where Lois goes to another dimension where she's yes, yes she died yes. at some point and Superman turned really dark because of it, right? Right, and yes. he's teamed up with Lex Luthor to defend the city. Yes. Now, why do you like this one so much? I kind of like it from the whole mirror mirror aspect to yeah. steal the term <laughs> from Star Trek. It's like 
where we could wind up if things had zigged instead of zagged. I've always found those alternate history, alternate, you know, else worlds type of stuff fascinating. And I thought that this was just a great job. I don't know if I could believe that Superman would become, you know, a super fascist with the death of Lois, but uh, it was an interesting theory. I could see well, with the right I'll circumstances where he'd sub- feel he could only, you know, only he could do things right. You know, he could be convinced of that I just don't see him becoming a stooge of Lex Luthor. Right. Which he kind of does. That's that's the part to me where it kind of goes a little too much. That's the I, that's I'm the gonna, gimme I'm for the episode argue, though. Yeah. I, I'm gonna argue with you just in the sense of it's funny because I was just today <laughs> bitching in some group about um dark superman how how tired i am of dark superman and I, and i think it's just because these days we're getting so few accurate portrayals of superman in my opinion that i'm yeah. i'm really sick of you know all the bright burn and all this other stuff that's coming out you know showcasing superman that's always going dark and he's always got red burning glowing eye that sort of thing drives me crazy so for that reason that's probably why I don't hold this episode in higher regard. But that said, I do like the episode and I buy into it because I think what happened here, I mean, we're being thrown into this and they've only got 20 minutes to tell you the story. So they got to keep things moving. But the way I've always interpreted it is that Superman didn't like, you know, it's not like a switch got flipped. You know, he, the minute Lois died, he didn't go dark. It's like it happened in bits and pieces, you know, the, you know, like Lex Luthor got Superman because he, he ate the elephant in small bits, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He he wore at him and he, you know, he teamed up with him and to help him, you know, in his mission. And, you know, so it was it's it's in bits and pieces. So by the time we're seeing this Superman, it's already happened. And he doesn't even realize that he's changed as much yeah. as he has until Lois is back in the picture. And then. Yeah. When she says the things she says to him, that's what kind of snaps him out and makes him realize, wow, I've really changed. I, I've completely compromised myself. And that's why he starts stepping up and being a hero again. At least that's always been my interpretation. So I, I would argue that it, it does work. I, I don't I don't think he quickly descended. I think it was a it was a small thing where he yeah, didn't even a, notice it happening. Yeah, death by a thousand cuts kind of yeah, thing. If you're yeah. if you're dealing with that grief and not processing it correctly, and then you have that serpent in your ear mm. offering you comfort. Right. You know, and and it's not like he's super awful either. He's a little extreme, but he's not like, you know, the injustice Superman. You know, so it's like so I, I buy that more than I buy the Injustice Superman reaching into the Joker's chest and killing him in front of right. Batman. Um, that, and again, it's funny. That's what I was railing about today is that there was an announcement, I guess, that, that DC is doing an animated movie based on Injustice. And the picture that was used was that, you know, angry, glowy Superman. That's, was that's so, fine. Oh, Animation, make your money, tell the alternate versions. But it's like at the end of the day, I still want the mainline Superman. Right. But yeah. In, in, in a 20 minute episode, you, you have to kind of push it to the far edge because you only have that much time, you know. Right. Like now, if you were doing a season long story where you see Superman get beaten down and Lois dies and you get to see the effect that that's had on him and what Lex does to him, then you can build up to him being a real prick by the, you know, the end of it and somebody having to deal with him. 
but yeah, I mean, you can't have them ripping heads off and stuff, <laughs> stuff in 20 minutes. Especially <laughs> on a kid show. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a really fun episode. It didn't make my top five, but it's one of the ones that I, I'll tell you the reason why I, I really like this one is because I like the way that they use Emil Hamilton in this, um, in this show. And he's a big part of this episode, especially with the beginning of it. And then the end of it, um, especially with how they take that relationship by the end of the show. Um, so it's, it's, it's another one of those things where the world building with the secondary characters, I really like. I had nighttime on my list. I had brave new metropolis on my list. I'm going to go now <laughs> to ghost in the machine. Oh yeah. That's Which, on my list. Now to some extent, I think this one is on my list due to hindsight, knowing that the relationship between Brainiac and Luther, the way it's going to develop uh, through the course of the DC animated universe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that it's kind of, you know, laying a lot of groundwork for what we're going to see later. And just, I mean, Lex Luthor and Brainiac together, it's a classic combo. Especially these versions. Yes, it definitely. This is the one where Luthor gets trapped in the lab and has to rebuild Brainiac, right? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good one. Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> and that kids is how Skynet came to be. <laughs> well, uh, if we don't have any more on that one, I'll go ahead. Uh, mine number three. Um, I, I, I'm going to say this about every episode, but yeah, I love this one. This one is Speed Demons. Yeah. This is the one where... Uh, we don't really get a lot of buildup or anything to him. It's just the Flash is here, and the Flash uh, has come to race Superman for a charity event. They're going to race around the world. I forget how many times they say, like ten times or a something. A lot. Like that. <laughs> a lot of times for a charity event, and uh, just a great episode. I love the voice casting in this one. You've got Miguel Ferrer as the the Weather Wizard, which is just yes. fantastic. He does such a good job. I think, again, I think the animation is just, you know, hitting on all cylinders with this. Uh, I'm not the biggest Flash fan in the world, but I really like his portrayal in this episode. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be Wally or Barry. He seems more Wally to me. I think um, it's supposed to be Wally because it's it's Wally in the Justice League. Right. They never touch on Barry, so that's just assumed. Right. You know, whatever happened, happened. Um, but probably the two biggest reasons I really love this one, um, this subject's going to keep coming up in just about every episode, but the score, it has <laughs> such a great score. And I am just tickled by the fact that Shirley Walker used the Flash themes that she and Danny Elfman wrote for the Flash yeah. live action show in 1990 in this episode for the race and in the moments with the flash so there's a great moment when superman and the flash are running at sea and superman sees a ship in distress and says something to the flash and the flash just blows him like yeah yeah nice try so superman just leaves he flies off to save the ship and the flash once he realizes superman's life he goes hey wait and he turns and runs after Superman and the whole musical stinger that they do because they go to commercial, I think, at that point, is the Flash from the 1990 live action show. Hey! Wait for me! 
I just love that they used that music again and to really good effect. And why in the hell this episode's score is not on that box set, I will never understand because it's one of the best scored episodes of the entire <laughs> series. It makes me crazy. The, um, that, that's one of the notes that I have on the, the few notes that I actually made for this. I had the score in big, yes. bold letters for yeah. this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there is one episode, though, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to our other section that uh, that I have just the opposite reaction to. Um, the other big reason I love this episode is that I don't know how much relationship they really have to each other. They're not literal, you know, like one is not a literal interpretation of the other. But there, if you guys remember, right around this same time, because my, my oldest boy was really little at the time, there was a series of uh, little golden books that um, DC was putting out that were drawn in the, the style of Batman and Superman, the animated series. There was a whole series of them, like True Story of Batman, True Story of Robin, True Story of Superman. There was one called Superman and the Flash Race Around the World. And it's not literally this episode, but it's pretty close. And, of course, the, the drawing style is of the same type. And that book's by Mike Parabek, who I am oh, a huge fan of. And so it all just kind of ties together for me. And, and another reason that I really, really like this episode a lot. But um, this is one of the episodes of the show that I've watched the or rewatched, I should say, the most. I just really get a kick out of this one. Yeah, it's, it's a great episode. <laughs> and again, it's not on my list because I really try to not have crossover episodes be on my top five. I try to right. focus on, on the Superman stuff. But again, this is one of those episodes that's like, oh, the world building. Because right. they really didn't do much yeah. with Batman. They really kept it Gotham focused. But right. once they got to Superman, they're like, we're going to bring in everybody. So... Yeah, that's and uh, this was this was the first one to do that, too. Was yeah. it the first one? Yeah, because well, let me think. Yeah, because this is really early. This is only like the fourth or fifth episode of the of the series. Once you get past the pilot, I do believe. Yeah, I, I guess I guess Lobo this would be the, the first. fourth fourth episode season two. Oh, OK. Yeah, I was going to say, think I think right. Lobo it's... pops up pretty early, which is not really a, a Superman adversary so to speak i just think the guys really wanted to use lobo you're right lobo i think lobo is before this one i think let me see i'm looking at a list of episodes right here was it like the uh, main man or something the main like man. The main, the mm-hmm. main man. yeah but that's yeah, when they were right. doing that whole push in the comics and everything with lobo right yeah and that's why it's not yeah. on my list me neither. <laughs> I, I really enjoy that two-parter, but it's it's like, and, and hey, kudos, you made Lobo work in in PG. You know, you just made him a right. real jerk. But I do I do like Brad Garrett's voice character. Brad Garrett though. makes uh, yeah yeah. He's a better Bibbo. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love his Bibbo. Yeah. Listen, Bibbo, take this and call Clark Kent of the planet. Let him know where I am and tell him to call Police Commissioner Henderson. He doesn't hear from me in 20 minutes. Got that? 20 minutes. Um. Thanks, Bibbo. I owe you one. Yeah, sure, sure. Let me see. Call Kirk Kent. Let him know about the boat and uh, something about the police. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Soder. Ah, 
Eh, she'll be okay. Frankly, Ooh, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather watch Sheriff Lobo than this Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do you want the ultraviolence, Dave? Is that what you're saying to us? <laughs> eh, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, I think we're back to you. Oh, boy. Um, all right, so now here's where my list starts to get muddy. Because like I said, I tried to really keep it Superman-centric. But uh, I've actually mentioned this episode before. The last time we talked about Superman the Animated Series, which was probably about 12, 13 years ago, the late Mr. Kent. Um, oh, again? Again, yes. <laughs> I got to be consistent. Come on. What, are we sharing the same brain? Yes, we are of two minds. We grok. Um, I really like this episode because it's really not a Superman episode. It's a Clark Kent episode. And when you're writing Superman correctly, you make Clark Kent as interesting as Superman. The stuff that he's doing when, his, when he's in his suit and tie and dealing with being a reporter should be just as interesting as the world-ending threats. Um and again, it's it, it's kind of a trope now. It's like, oh, the main character's dead at the beginning of the episode. Let's see what happened. Um, that being said, I get sucked in every single time. Are there issues with the episode? Absolutely. Um, it's an early 90s cartoon. The point being is you need to be invested in how Lois and Jimmy and Perry feel about the fact that Clark is gone, Right. And again, the show hasn't gone on for that long. I think it's a second season episode. But he's been a part of the Daily Planet staff for, we have to assume, for quite a while. And it gives Lois that opportunity to grieve somebody that she's kind of dismissive of through most of the series until later on when she knows that Clark is Superman. And it's this, I mean, and this version of Jimmy, I don't hate, Um, you know. It doesn't really make sense, even in the modern world, that there'd be a cub reporter, photographer there. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely under 18, right? I, I would think. But I want to see Clark figure out his own mystery, you know? And, and I it, the fact that Superman is barely in it is of zero consequence to me. I just, I get sucked in every time watching this because I like Clark Kent. I'm with you 100%. That's why I picked this one, too. This is this is something that you, if you had modified it a little bit, this would have been a George Reeves episode of the show. Yes. It's Clark Kent, the detective. Yep, and that's, he's an investigative reporter. I mean, I know Batman's the greatest detective that ever lived, but if you're doing investigative reporting, especially when this character is based on, in the 30s and 40s, a muckraker, somebody who's going out there and getting their feet dirty... This is the kind of stuff that might happen. See, now, Scott, yeah. isn't this similar to the same plot? And I it's I think it's Action Comics number one. Isn't he trying to save someone from getting executed? Yes. And yeah. he goes to the governor's office and he knocks down the door and all. Yep. So to me, Absolutely. it was a, a tribute to that as well. And the best is the guilty guy, I believe, uh, the police detective was corrupt. He was in it before in the series. Yes. Yeah. And he figures out that Clark Kent is Superman right before they throw the switch. To That's the him. best part of the episode that, I mean, it's, you know, he, the, the uh, bad guy gets his punishment 
might be a little extreme, <laughs> but it's that that hook at the end of oh oh boy and sorry you can't tell anybody. <laughs> also I'll, very I'll dark for a Superman cartoon in the nineties. I'll agree with you that that's the best part of the episode, but that's also the thing that not only can I put it on my list if we were going the other direction would would definitely have it on my least favorites list is <laughs> the fact that you know here it is it's it's you know for all intents and purposes a children's show you know on Saturday morning and a guy goes to the gas chamber at the at the conclusion I mean they gas him I mean you can see the gas coming up at the end of the episode as it as the screen goes dark I'm like okay I don't mean to be a prude but that's a little too dark especially for Superman so I appreciate it. I think it's kind of cool, but at the same rate, it's yeah, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. So I, and again, yeah, I was not, not one of my favorite when I watched it the first time. So it's one of those things. I was like, ooh, all right, a little bite. And it's not Superman being ultra violent. It's the system, you know, like this guy's a jerk. <laughs> Plus, the, sy- the system's a lot more efficient apparently where they're living than here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Metropolis More likely he would have Texas. died of old age <laughs> in Texas. It's funny. I had that thought the last time I watched it. I'm like, wow, that was quick. <laughs> he didn't spend 30 years on death row. 20-minute animation. Make your point. <laughs> <laughs> they could have put it at the bottom of the screen 25 years later. <laughs> Justice system works swiftly in the future now that we've abolished all lawyers. <laughs> Your lawyer gets the same penalty as you. That's how we fixed our lawyer, bro. <laughs> All I can think of is The Simpsons now. Give apes the right to vote. You won't regret it. So. <laughs> what you got, Dave? Well, I'm going to go to my honorable mention list, and I have The Way of the Flesh with the Metallo origin. Oh, yeah. I, I love Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. That's, yes. That's the thing. And I love that they were able to get him back repeatedly throughout yeah. the series. Well, you know, when the, you, you see him in that first, uh, I guess, episode three, where he's just John, John Corbin. Corbin. Yeah. And then he becomes Metallo in this one. And, and, and again, this one has one of those lines. I, I, I didn't feel anything. See if you feel this. Ow! I, I can't even feel... A kiss. What did they do to me? And, you know, he's a bad guy, but you almost feel sorry for him. Little bit. Just a little. Just a little bit. And it's Uh, it's not on my list, but then the follow-up with, uh, was it Action Figures? Action Figures is great. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back, and his memory is only, like, slowly coming back to him. And he's actually kind of heroic to begin with, and then he just slowly kind of deteriorates when Superman comes on the scene. Yeah, that, very well done. That's another morbid ending where he's trapped in the lava and he's still alive. Yep. I, you know, don't be a bad guy. Bad shit won't happen to you. Sorry. <laughs> Thinking that five minute execution might be preferable. <laughs> there is there is one thing in the way of all flesh, though, that bugs me just the tiniest bit every time I watch that episode is where Corbin's got the bottle of, of stuff that Luther had the doctor putting into his food that that destroyed his body and, and made him have to be Metallo. 
Well, when he's got that bottle and he pops the lid off and he's trying to pour it down Luther's gullet, it splashes on Luther's lips several times in the animation. Every time I see this episode, I'm thinking, well, Luther's got it now. (laughs) He should he should die of the same thing. But they they never follow up on that. Maybe it has to be ingested. I guess. (laughs) Concentrated doses. Just go with it. Just go with it. And he winds (laughs) up with an iron hand. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's uh and again that's another thing with the world building they don't they don't one and done most of the villains you know you get to know john right. corbin a little bit and then this tragedy happens and then they bring him back and each time that they bring him back it's better because you've already got that backstory we're going to be talking about that in just a moment i think oh boy. what do you got paul uh, I'm going to go, I know you. it's multiple parts and it's crossover, but I'm going with World's Finest. Uh, well, I mean, come this on. This was really my... In- huh? It has to be on there. This was really my, my, in- my en- entry-level drug into the show. Uh, when my, uh, my son had to have surgery when he was, I don't know, seven, eight years old, whatever it was. And knowing that he had to kind of sit around the house, I went out and I bought a few, like, DVDs for him to watch and I bought the Superman Batman movie which is just you know these three episodes on a DVD together and you know we watched it a few times and uh, you know it's Superman it's Batman it's the Joker it's Lex Luthor what more could you ask for seriously not much absolutely I agree with you I was going to say it plays with everything you'd want to see played with their first interaction absolutely how they're both stand up guys but they're very different in their personalities Bruce Wayne almost slipping it in Lois Lane. I mean, come on. Like, see, see that, that annoys me. Why? It's Bruce Wayne. Because it's like I always feel they try and stick it to Superman as he tries to stick it in Lois. It's that's, Bruce you know, you know Wayne. That's, that's something I, I kind of agree with you is, is they're always – I feel like they always sacrifice Superman to, to benefit Batman. I mean, I love the character of Batman, don't get me wrong, but I don't like when they sacrifice Superman for him. And that was one of the things that really, really bothered me about Batman v. Superman. Uh, that The fact that they made Lex Luthor a Batman villain by the end of that movie. Okay, but in this show, and in this continuity, Batman was around longer. He was the Hugh Hefner slash Elon Musk of this universe, right? Of course, every woman wanted to get with him. And, I mean, we see how dismissive Lois is most of the time with Clark. Yes, we know she we, that she has feelings for him, but it's Bruce Wayne. It's this version of Bruce Wayne. He's got the lantern jaw, the great hair, billions of dollars. I can Maybe kind they of should call him Bruce Vane. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna, A little more gore. I, I'm going to... I'm going to come to Dave's defense and say that, that I, I get you, Dave. I got your back on this one to to an extent. Because this always, I, I, I won't say I disliked it, but it always made me a little bit uncomfortable. And I wasn't really sure why. And it's for the reason I think Paul said is that I, I also am tired of them taking, you know, the, some of the best parts of Superman and moving them over to Batman's world. Like when they had... Lex Luthor slowly become a, a more of a Batman foil in the comics, like when he rebuilt Metropolis and, and that sort of thing, when he became the president and all that, it started to annoy me. So I 
you know, I kind of tolerated it in this episode, but I, I'll tell you where I was won over on the Batman Lois thing is it's briefly, briefly revisited in, I think it's called The Demon Reborn. It's one of the last episodes of the series. It's another Batman Superman crossover episode or team up episode. And there's a moment where Batman comes to Lois's apartment and they have just a moment, but that moment is wonderful. And I think part of what makes it work for me is that Lois is voiced by Dana Delaney. And Dana Delaney had also voiced Andrea Boma in Mask of the Phantasm. And that is my favorite Batman movie. And largely because I love the character of Andrea Boma and her relationship with Bruce Wayne. So so it kind of came to work for me um, based on those two things. So, yeah, it, it, it doesn't work 100% in this but as an arc i think it kind of works i mean at the end of the day how does she end up at the end of this three arc three episode arc she's not with bruce she's still at the daily planet with clark right right it's it, that's one of those that you, you get to play with it a little bit but it doesn't it doesn't have long-standing repercussions at the end of the day she is clark's girl you know, right. it's just another little bit because they already have the stuff that where they're in their capes and tights that they're at odds. So, you you know, you do the opposite thing. You do the secret identity. They're kind of button heads over a woman. And it's not, uh, you know, some great Greek tragedy. It's just it's a little bit extra. That's all it is. A little fun. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, of this whole movie, uh, especially the first two parts, because the first part may just have the best cliffhanger ending of any of Superman, the animated series with, uh, you know, it ends where Clark thinks he has the upper hand on Batman because he used his x-ray vision and now he knows who Batman is. He gets back to his apartment only to find that Batman has one upped him and now knows his secret identity. And there's just a great little moment where he's holding the little bat detection device in his hand and he uses his telescopic vision all the way across the city where he sees Batman looking yeah. at him. Batman gives him the thumbs up sign and the scoring in that as the episode ends is just perfect. It's such a great little gotcha. And then hey. score in part two for when Superman is is really I mean he's he's gonna get killed I mean the Joker's got him and and it looks like he's gonna take him out and he's just gleefully toying with Superman like he keeps zapping him with his joy buzzer and everything as he's you know the kryptonite's killing him it's just it's just a great little piece of just it's it's like this weird combination of like silly music but with an edge of like real sinisterness to it and that's it, what it, it should be so, yeah exactly and it really works well and the other thing that really works well about this whole arc is that this is the big crossover right this is the two out of of dc's big three right this is the first time that they're meeting it's it's it's, it's dc's big two Right. <laughs> they're always they're always trying to, to push Wonder Woman into the big three, but really she's the third of the big three. Uh, okay, granted, but it's the first time they meet, right? And is there is there some grit and some and some tension and some animosity? Absolutely. The the way that there should be, right? Like they're not 
they're not the same person. They have very different backgrounds. Superman has a stable background. Batman is the child of, of dead parents. But at no point do you feel like they're just going to decide to just beat the crap out of each other, right? From the very beginning, they have a common purpose. They, As soon as they realize who each other is, they, they, they kind of get what's going on a little bit with each other. I mean, because Bruce Wayne is a public figure, right? Everybody knows right. what happened to him, right? And Superman's not a, a total he's not a dick right like he gets it he you know it, it's not a far stretch for clark to go jeez i mean i all right so he dresses up like a bat and he beats the crap out of bad guys i kind of get it knowing what i know about him i mean i'm a, a reporter so you know i see things but it's just th- that first interaction they have in the in the nightclub there or whatever it is and and you know bruce takes out this tiny tiny piece of kryptonite it doesn't take much does it and it's just like that's all I need. I don't need them at each other's throats immediately. Yep. Like, agree. you want to tell that story of, of them falling out? They need to have, like, 10, 15 years of shared history before you do that. Yeah. And I would watch a version of Dark Knight Returns or Batman versus Superman with these two, with these this version of these characters in a heartbeat because they have all of that. And they do touch on some of that stuff in Justice League where they there is that things happen and ideas change and just life happens and it's far more believable than most of the stuff that they've tried to cram in since frank miller's story and what was that 86 and i love the dark knight returns it's a great what if elseworld story but that's not the version of superman and batman that i want to see i agree with you i'll be more succinct and just say that those little bit you know when Basically, when they first meet, where Superman, you know, pulls Batman off the bad guy and says, that's enough. And then unexpectedly, Batman throws him, you know, yeah, you know, does like a judo move and throws him. And then a moment later, Superman slams him just hard enough to let him know I'm Superman and this is it. You know, you're not going to get one up on me. That is all the Superman v. Batman I ever needed in my life right there. So, yeah, and I'm well, glad it, that it's, that's it. it. It's also, it's funny, too, because, and I love Marvel. I'm a Marvel zombie. I've been since I was a kid. In a Marvel book, you'd get the, the whole issue is the throwdown, right? When the two characters meet. This was 30 seconds. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's it. Like, okay, the, the fight's over. <laughs> it's not a whole issue, you know? See, I... So. I, you know, just besides the stealing from Superman to give to Batman, uh, the well, or I guess as part of that, one of the things they've tried to do, and it just irritates the heck out of me, is they've tried to show Batman is so well prepared that even if he's fighting Superman, he's going to win. Uh, and, they, you know, if you wanted to show he could hold his own because he's so clever uh, and he can, you know, he can keep. Superman at bay for a while or whatever. I'm all, I'm totally on board with that. But to, it seems like every time they have a throwdown in the comics, Batman wins. And that bothers yeah, the hell no. out of me. I, yeah. I, no, because you know what the first thing Superman's doing? He's flying into the atmosphere and friggin' X-raying his ass. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, that 
that's the great thing about this episode is there's none of that silliness in this. I mean, when, when Superman slams Batman, it's just hard enough not to break anything. And you can see he hits that wall with a lot of force. Cause basically Superman for just a moment uses Batman like a croquet ball. He just, yeah. he hits him and he stops, but Batman keeps going and slams into the wall. And I think he does that intentionally to show him, I am more powerful than you and this fight is over. And at that point, the fight is over and Superman very clearly has, you know, all the advantage in the upper hand. And that's why, you know, that's a big reason I really love, you know, that chapter of, you know, this three part arc is that it doesn't descend into that silliness. I would much, much rather see these two meet as, uncomfortable allies with a grudging respect and over time and episodes and years form a friendship that brings them to the point that they were at in the public enemies movie, which is a a wonderful book to this. Then I would ever want to see them just, Oh, we need to fight and do you bleed and all that bullshit that I hate. Yeah, so no. much. And, and that's know, why these like, guys you, are friends, yeah, you know, you eventually need all of that. You need all of that before you get to the point where you have Clark giving Bruce a kryptonite bullet. Right. I don't see Batman just going, I need a kryptonite bullet because Superman might go nuts. They need to be friends first. And Clark needs to acknowledge that if I'm ever compromised, you're the only one that I can trust. That works for me. If, if, if it's Superman kind of giving himself up that way. But to, to just make it, oh, Batman's more clever. In, you know, to harp on it a little bit, the, in the Batman v Superman movie, you know, there's the point where he like sprays him with the kryptonite stuff so that he he's vulnerable and Batman's winning the fight at that point, which, you know, that's all well and good. Because then they have, the, they have the moment where it wears off and all of a sudden like he throws a punch and it's like he punched a, a steel wall. And, and if that was the end of it, I would be very happy. Okay, you know, Batman again was able to hold his own because he's clever enough but ultimately superman is you know the man of steel yeah, uh, adu- but no no they, they kept going back and forth and batman would get the upper hand again and it was just no. no they're both adults at that point either clark or bruce would go all right what's going on here they're not why stupid. did you say martha oh, i, I actually god his I, mother's name wasn't mildred or that would have been the end of it I, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't hate that part of the movie. That was so comic booky to me. I was like, all right, I'm But yeah. But that, but you know, the the thing is this this cartoon uh once again outperformed live action. Just to say one thing that I find amusing about this episode. This episode opens with the hijacking of Air Force One. This episode aired in October of 1997. In July of 1987, the movie Air Force One came out. So, art imitating (laughs) art. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) No, this, uh, yeah, this was, this was, this was the big breaker for we're going to do everything that we want to do with these characters, because we can. I bought the DVD too. Who am I kidding? I still have it. (laughs) My number two is Two's a crowd, which is the I think this is the second parasite episode. This is the one where uh, one of the big reasons I like this is the the, re, the way it starts. Um, this guy, this I forget what he is. He's an evil scientist or a mad bomber or something. I forget. He holds up in this house 
that he has like ridiculously booby trapped and death trapped and everything. And um, just the whole beginning of it, of Superman really, you know, getting knocked about and, and the guy clearly has the upper hand, at least at first in the situation uh, of Superman, just trying to get to the guy in the house. I, I love that whole beginning sequence. The animation is just fantastic. Um, but the guy ends up getting knocked out and goes into a coma and they need information this guy has on uh, he's planted like a nuclear bomb or something somewhere in Metropolis. So in order to be able to get into his mind, they decide to bring in the parasite because the parasite can you know absorb the guy's consciousness and everything. And so then it turns into a parasite episode. And I like the parasite. I'm not a huge fan of the parasite, but I like the parasite. But I really like how he was used in this series. Again, you know, there's that thing we keep talking about how the series took, you know, certain characters from the comics and and improved on them and made them more interesting or cooler. And, And I definitely feel like parasites, one of them. But I think that of the entire series, this is one of the best animated episodes as far as the look of the animation it's clean it's smooth superman looks awesome um there is an incredible fight at the end of the episode over this giant pit where superman and parasite just beat the holy hell out of each other that just looks great it is so fluid that i can forget that i'm watching a cartoon it it looks totally real to me um it's just wonderfully staged and and everything and then the, the last big reason I really, really like this one is, again, you got to remember when this was coming out, you know, first run and I was watching it and everything, I was watching it with my, you know, my child. And I loved spoiling him and getting him all the action figures and things that they were putting out based on the animated series. And one of his favorites was, I, I forget what the figure was actually called, but basically it was Superman in a diving suit, but it was like a Superman themed diving suit. So it had like flippers and, you know, he had a little oxygen tank and he was colored differently, you know, because that's how they sell action figures. You know, they take a a character like Batman and then they do 12 million different versions of him with different colors and accessories and stuff. And they were doing that with Superman. And usually I'm not really into that whole thing, but in this episode, it looks different from the action figure, but Superman actually does change his clothes and he and Maggie Sawyer go on an underwater mission at one point. And so Superman wears kind of sort of the outfit that the action figure wore, like this, this like aqua Superman suit. And it's just really cool looking, you know, the whole thing with Superman having an underwater adventure was something kind of different. You know I mean? Any other time in animation, you see Superman go underwater. He's just wearing his regular clothes. But in this one, he actually took the time to change clothes and, you know, have an aqua tank and all that. And it was just kind of cool. It was something different for him. And seeing him have a little underwater adventure was just, I don't know, it's, it, it works for me in this episode. I really like it. But that, yeah, that that brings me to a, to, to a point I kind of wanted to bring up Superman's power level in this. He, I mean, he's clearly like the strongest being on Earth, but he's not. I, I feel like this version of Superman can still die if something ridiculous oh, yeah. happens. And I don't know if that's a, a Golden Age thing or more so like a Bronze Age thing, but I like that about this. There are some, still some stakes with Superman. I mean, he's he's not perfect, 
nor should he be. But he does get beat around quite a bit. And, and I get that you kind of have to do that just from a, a drama perspective. But again, you guys are more familiar with Superman from the comics from before the 80s like than I am. So I don't know if that was... Was that something that had been kind of building up since the Silver Age Superman where he could, you know, blow out a sun and, you know, do all that stuff? I, I just, I don't know. It just, it felt a little bit more real to me than, like, when I'd watch Super Friends or read back issues right. as a kid. No, I'll give you that because off the top of my head... I mean, because I grew up with the pre-crisis Superman, you know, I mean, I was late to the game, you know, this, you know, you're talking, you know, late 60s into the into the 70s and early 80s. So, I mean, there, there was a whole lot of earlier stuff that I wasn't all that familiar with. But by the time I came into Superman as a kid, you know, in the early 70s, he was very godlike. And I don't remember a lot of stories of Superman in peril. And, and what I mean by that is, yeah, I mean. Yes, the comics were replete with, oh, no, I have a kryptonite horseshoe that I can endanger you with or whatever, the, <laughs> some ridiculous damn thing. But it was always kryptonite this, kryptonite that. What I'm, what you're talking about is like an enemy that could just get the upper hand on him and beat the shit out of him to a point that he, he might die or they could electrocute him so bad that he might die. I don't remember a lot of stories like that. I, the, I can remember it was either kryptonite, magic, or disease because there's that that great story um you know i covered it on my superman show you know where he gets virus virus x from krypton you know and he's he's gonna die of like super leprosy basically oh my god but you know other than that i i just don't remember a lot of stories where like just a villain really threatened or endangered him and i i think that's why i was so ready for john burns invigoration or you know reinvigoration of the character because in the very first episode of superman you know the very first issue i should say of superman he almost dies if it wasn't for luther's vanity and wanting to do it himself metallo would have killed superman in the very first issue so i liked that you know there was a whole new set of you know that feeling of okay you know he, he he could get killed and I liked that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, uh, on the page, it, it, you know, and, and back in the day, I'm okay with Superman being a world beater every episode. As I've gotten older, though, I, I think it's okay to have more stuff that can incapacitate and or kill Superman. And, again, I'm not one of these people that are like, oh, Superman's boring because he's the strongest person. Yes, he is the strongest person. He's the strongest person on Earth. He should be. He's Superman. At the end of the day, though, there still needs to be stuff that can take him to task if there's going to be real stakes and real drama. So, and, and I think that's another reason why I liked this show. I mean, almost every episode, he 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 gets he gets pushed around, you know, and and he has to. And again, you know he can take it, but he gets pushed around and he has to come back. And that, to me, is, is slightly more interesting than just the completely impervious alien savior. So you know, The thing is, they depowered him at least once before Burn. And it just never The Denny O'Neill thing, right? Right. Yeah. I think that was yeah. a significant knockdown. But quickly you build back up again. Yeah, that's, I mean, 
But I never well, remember being bored in the 70s reading. No. No. I was no. never bored as a kid either reading comics. You know, it, it didn't matter to me. I mean, I was there for the, the good guys beat the bad guys. And that's what comics should be when you're a kid. Right. It's funny where I thought you were going to go when, when you started was, you know, saying that his power level was was wildly inconsistent throughout the show. I, that is something I've noticed uh, when I've rewatched the series is that his power level does seem to fluctuate greatly because in some episodes he has absolutely no problem, you know, lifting a giant object into space or throwing this or, or throwing that or deflecting this or that, you know, landing an airplane. And then in other episodes, something as simple as a bridge collapse will give him great problems, you know, and you can really see the strain and the effort he's having to put in. But I got to thinking about that and it would have been interesting. I I really wish the show had gone on to more seasons than what it got, because I wonder if maybe someone in the, in the creative staff would have glommed onto that and, maybe started to play with the idea because there was a wonderful thing in the comics. It actually tied into the whole death of Superman storyline where Emil Hamilton hit upon the, the fact that Superman, yes, he is a living solar battery, but he was not just an inexhaustible supply of, of superpower. I mean, he had limits and if he had a particularly busy week, then he would be significantly lower powered by the end of that week than he was at the beginning, like a battery. Yeah. And so potentially you could beat Superman just by wearing his ass up, you know, that's a great idea for a story. Yeah. And I think that that would have been an interesting way, you know, if, if they had realized that and hit upon that later to explain for one, why his powers were inconsistent from episode to episode, but also to play with that as a as a weakness for him and and maybe go that route have somebody smart like Lex Luthor figure that out that hey wait a minute last week when I did this thing to him he handled it no problem this week I did this thing to him and he seemed weaker let's try this thing and let's throw oh this at God. him and you know and eventually hit on the idea that you know I could wear him down could you imagine, like, like just you do the thing, just, like where you pretend he's got a spot on his shirt, and when he looks down, you flick his nose. <laughs> you just keep no. doing it over and over again until he gets Hey, Superman, not, your boots not, are on top. Yeah. Not even that, but could you imagine Lex Luthor pulling together all of Superman's rogues gallery to attack him during like a three-day eclipse of the sun and keep him ground? Well, yeah. Yes. Well, that was that was that was yeah. what they did in Nightfall for Batman. Nightfall. That's what yeah. I yeah. Set him up, yeah. You know, a Superman yeah. version of Nightfall. Going by yeah. that in the in the nineties would have been super entertaining. You know, so by the oh end Oh my of- god, as much as I hate Bane, that would totally be uh, have Bane at, be the last guy and and getting revenge for that ass whooping in Nightfall. He breaks Bane, Superman. And, and, yeah, especially since Bane is just a dude who's got drugs in him. Like yeah. that would have been that would have been super entertaining. Oh, we should totally write for this series. That would be awesome. I think we're at number ones now, aren't we? I guess so. I mean, I really don't. My list was just, I mean, come on. I think we're in uh, honorable mention territory. I thought that was number two. Pretty much. All right. Well, let's do that. That was number two. That was number two, but people have hit like three of mine that I didn't get to use. (laughs) 
All right. So we're in honorable mentions. Okay. Who wants to go first? Well, I'll go first. If you guys are not going to go with your number one or you don't have, you've used up your list. I, I have a clear number one. This was the only one that did immediately come to me as, oh my God, this is my number one episode. So my very favorite episode of Superman, the animated series is fun and games, which is weird because it's a toy man episode and toy yeah. man. Come on, let's face it. Toy man is one of the lamest not only lamest Superman villains, one of the lamest comic book villains, honestly. But not in this. But not in this. In this, they give him a makeover, and he's a badass, and I love it. He's yeah. so cool in this. I think that this is the single best animated episode as far as, again, the look and, and smoothness and, and everything of the anime is just beautiful. It, it's just wonderful to watch. I mean, this is like classic animation stuff it's like fleischer or early disney i mean it just it's beautiful it really looks great the score for this oh my god i love this score and again why in the hell is this not on the box set it's it's the best score of the entire series um has one of my favorite lines of the entire series it's It's a a big big ducky i love that (laughs) and then superman versus the ducky it's so ridiculous but it works so well the the duck has the complete upper hand he keeps firing these missiles and knocking superman on his ass until superman has a rocky moment and he's just had enough and when he charges from the beach and hits that duck you can feel that impact it's awesome it's so well animated Oh, I love it. The, the story's great. The whole Toy Man thing, the Toy Man's voice is so creepy. And oh, it's just, I really, really love this. And and this is the one I think I have rewatched the most times. I never get tired of it. It's just such a great episode. It shouldn't work. It, it should be just ridiculous because of the, the whole toy thing and, and how kind of silly the concept is, but it, it's not silly. It really works well, and and I really like this one. Well, I mean, you buy into it when you if you're yep. gonna take if you're gonna reinvent Toy Man, which this series did, much like the Batman show reinvented Mister Freeze in a way that everybody kind of accepts as like this is Mister Freeze. Yep. This is the the version of Toy Man that I want. It's super creepy. He's still a brilliant inventor that makes toys, but he's just, he's got that little tiny bit of Hannibal Lecter in him, you know? And it's just, it's just enough of a change where you still keep the spirit of what the character, what most people remember the character being. And you just, you kind of turn it on its head. And again, it's that thing where Superman still, he gets knocked down. He gets knocked down. But he's he ends up triumphing in the end because he has to exert himself and do the right thing. One of my huge criteria for a list like this is that it's got to be eminently quotable. And this just has so many great lines. But, you know, the, the other one that always stands out in my memory is when the toy man's recounting basically his origin story to Lois. And he just he has this just sadness to his voice. You know, he's got a great creepy voice, but then when he's telling the story, it just has this terrible sadness to it. Because it is a sad story. That's right, Miss Lane. The toy maker had a son, but without his father, 
the poor little boy was bounced from foster home to foster home like a little toy that nobody wanted a childhood is a terrible thing to lose miss lane but i'm getting mine back with a vengeance and it's just (laughs) you know his voice is just oh it's perfect i love it it's it's such a good show and again, another character they didn't discard. I mean, he pops up during Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. He you know? killed Superman, yeah. Yeah, like so the, they think. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's a that's a, a good episode too. I really, I, I really, I don't really dislike any of these episodes. But uh, yeah, no, thinking about that one, I haven't watched that one in a while. I kind of skipped that one when I was doing my rewatch, but. Yeah, that's um, and again, it's a Superman-centric episode. It's not a, a a world-building episode. It's a kind of a one-and-done traditional Superman villain that gets updated. All right, honorable mentions, you guys. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll jump in. Uh, being the horror fan that I am, I threw in an episode later in the run um, that has some body horror and some '80s vibes and more of the supporting cast. Uh, I threw in Unity. Um, that, oh. is, that is the episode with, uh, you know, basically the evil reverend from Poltergeist 2 and the weird kind of Cronenberg body horror. And it's a Supergirl episode. And again, this is probably my favorite version of Supergirl because she's with my favorite version of the Kents. And it's a Supergirl centric episode where she has to deal with this crazy religious cult that's mind controlling everybody in Smallville because of course that's you know where it would happen it would start in the outskirts of society and not in one of the major metropolises and it's just creepy and weird and they use Supergirl to the right effect uh, and it's just and I don't like seeing anything bad happen to Ma and Pa Kent and it does in this and who saves the day? Kara. So it's just it's one of the ones that I really really enjoy. The animation's great. It's creepy and weird. And uh, yeah, don't show this one to a kid to start them off with the Superman universe. But um, if they've gotten <laughs> to this point in the show, definitely worth watching. Wasn't this based somewhat on a a, a comic, one of the annuals or something? Union it was called. Oh, I don't know. With some. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got me on that horrible alien takes over a town and it basically kills all the people i, I think it was an annual or something hmm. which is very familiar i'll have to go back and look look that up because that sounds right up my alley <laughs> all right i'll throw out an honorable mention going for the low fruit live wire i really like this one too it almost oh, made my top no. five so I don't know if you guys uh, did the secondary list where, where we're going to mention our least favorite, just single episode, but this is my least favorite single <laughs> really? episode. Yes. I really like this one. It's a the brand score, new villain. The score is horrible because they, they do all these fake like imitation versions of famous rock tunes, but it's just so annoying. And then her voice. We don't have to do this, Leslie. I'm Livewire! It's perfect for this character. It's perfect for the character, yes, but she reminds me of somebody I used to work with, and I couldn't say <laughs> his voice either, so, yeah. Well, there's no fight in life histories, I guess, but, <laughs> no, I'm with you, Dave. I, I really like this one, because, I mean, 
other than, I mean, this came out, this was pre the death of Superman, uh, no, post the death of Superman. There really hadn't been a, a new, interesting, fun villain created since Doomsday, right? If I'm if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. So okay. to me, it was like, and it's a female villain, like back when you could still show the guys slugging a female villain without getting beat up on. No, I mean, Laurie Petty as as this character is great. I, I really like every time that this character pops up because it was like, oh, I don't know this character. I don't know what's going to happen. So that's the other thing. Like, when you read enough comics, you kind of know what's going to happen. Like, I love the Marvel movies. I'm, I don't care about spoilers because there's really nothing they're going to do that's going to super surprise me just because I've been a Marvel kid since I was four years old. But seeing Livewire pop up on this show is like I don't know this character. Anything could happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna straddle the fence on the voice characterization because I agree with Scott that she's annoying. I think that sums it up. But I agree with you guys that she's supposed to be annoying. Uh, pays the bills. So that that's you know I'm some kind of in the middle of the ground there. I think Laurie Petty did exactly with this character what she was supposed to do. The thing about it that's unbelievable to me is that she has this following as a dj and whatever and it's just like really <laughs> you know she, she just seemed okay. annoying that, that does kind of date it though i i, I get it. It, it the whole shock rock shock dj thing i mean obviously howard stern you know opie and anthony starting out at that time like i get it but it's i mean they kind of made it their own i i could see metropolis if that's where people younger people are flocking to for work and business and school and everything they might kind of glom on to a a mid-20s someone kind of trying to speak their language and and getting them riled up i like though how lois is so offended at what she's saying Clark's (laughs) like eh, well you know she's entitled to her opinion something to that effect which is what superman would say in public, anyway. Then go home, all you know. I'm gonna do short out hub radio. And, and again, I, and I also like the design too. Like this show, I don't like things that are overly designed unless it's Kirby, really. And again, she's got a very classic Bronze Age, almost you know, straddling that line between like 79 to 85. Like look for like a design of a character. That I mean, that's another thing. It's the the, the design is great. She, uh, much like Harley Quinn, she is a character created for the series that actually did eventually make the jump over into the comics as well. But she originated sure. here. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a fun character because it's you can play with her power set. You can play with and and what does Superman do to combat that? I tell you, I do like her in her other appearances though, because Double Dose I really like a lot with her and the Parasite, and then yeah. she's also in. Um, girls night out which has her teaming up with poison ivy and harley oh, quinn against yeah. Batgirl girl and supergirl that that's, that's a good episode, great episode. i i know it it's a little you know heresy only because of the evil superman aspect of it but i really enjoyed uh legacy to end the series and i i also like the way that they went back to it eventually in you know justice league unlimited oh they had to yeah. I love I that's uh, during my somewhat rewatch of this. I watched Legacy one and two, and it's like, holy crap! Did they nail what it would take to get Superman to that point, right? Because that's what it would take to get Superman to that point. 
And not only did they nail what it would take to get Superman to that point, it also nailed exactly what Apocalypse is and who Darkseid is. Yeah, you might have won this battle, but here I'm God. Like, you won, but you didn't win shit. And I just, every time I watch that one, and when... It, it, like the fe- he takes the full blast of the Omega Beam and like and he covers Darkseid's face and then the, they just they pull all the color out of his suit. It's Superman looks so friggin' pissed. Like oh god, I get so riled up every time I watch them. I'm like that is perfect. So well, that pose of of him standing holding him up and holding Darkseid yes. up before he throws that is iconic, man. And it's scary. I've always said all my life, I've always said pissed off Superman is a damn scary Superman. And he is As just he should be. He has lost it in that episode. Yeah, yeah what's oh, his absolutely. case begin right. to that point? And then yeah. they fall they finally like they follow up with that uh, Justice League. And then at the very end of Justice League Unlimited, where he goes like, Ah, you're a big boy, you can take it. I'm gonna cut loose. And they finally just they, they give you that mano y mano battle between the two of them, which it probably should have been on this show, but like they, they take their time, they tease it out to the by the time you get to the end of Justice League Unlimited and those two have their battle in Metropolis, and Superman's just like, ah, you know, I'm done, dude. Sorry. Like you've done enough to me over the last ten years. I'm beating the shit out of you. Ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Still the still the best superhero punch in any medium when he does the, the hammer fist on Darkseid's head at the end of that and all the friggin' buildings explode. Mm. <sighs> Sorry. Since we're, we're on the topic of fight, I'm going to throw out two quick honorable mentions just because I, I love these for their fights is uh, Last Son of Krypton Part 3, the, the finale of the pilot, where uh, it's Superman versus Corbin in the robot suit. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. That is a great fight. They tear up a lot of shit. They blow up that building. It's it's just great. And then um, Sinestro in, in Brightest Day. Yeah. Sinestro, I've never really liked, but this series made me respect him. I mean, he is a badass in this he he's very black adam like and uh and i like that he makes a good foil for superman in this episode he he yeah. whoops the shit out of him so yeah i like those two yeah the, yeah the, every time they did a crossover or a, a world building episode it was always just such a joy to watch to see how are they going to interpret aquaman and green lantern and 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 I'm a Hal guy because I'm old like you guys. But <laughs> when this show came out, you had to make it Kyle. I mean, you had to. That's who was in the co- Like, I get that. That's fine. Um, and it, I, I'm sucked in every time. You know? I'm sucked in every time watching that. Because I, I don't hate Kyle. Um, but I like it wasn't Kyle. My, yeah. yeah, it wasn't you know, my I, I've, I've always enjoyed Kyle as a character. And, 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 and I've... This... And I've I've come to that as I've gotten older because I get it. He's an artist. What's he going to do with a Green Lantern ring? It's brilliant. It's, you know, it's the kind of thing like in the comics when when Jon Stewart has it. He's an architect, right? And a military guy. His stuff is going to be very laid out. It's not going to be fantastical. Kyle's stuff was, I'm going to make Kirby monsters to fight you with. You know? Like, that just makes sense. Well, I I remember when, when Kyle was you know first took over as the green lantern in the comics and reading an interview with i don't even remember who whether it was the artist the writer whatever but uh they were saying how uh 
they had a rule that, you know, basically every construct he made had to be something new. They weren't going to just keep doing, you know, the giant fist over and over again. Uh, so I, I thought that was a cool touch. And just to throw it out there, I also thought the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited is really what made me appreciate Jon Stewart as a character. That's the best version of Jon Stewart. Because reading really him in the is. comics, I, I felt he was very bland. But then seeing him on that show, I thought he was very charismatic. Yeah, he's he's cool. one of my favorites on that on that series. Yeah. Great yeah, character. He, he, he totally won me over because when the series first started, I, I was a little annoyed that it wasn't Kyle just because we had seen him in this episode. You know, we had seen him introduced. And so when it was Jon Stewart... I was a little annoyed because it wasn't Kyle, but also annoyed because, like Paul said, in the comics, which I did follow, you know, I I read all that stuff because I was a big um, Joe Staten fan. I liked him, but he was kind of bland. You know, he he didn't really seem to have much of a character. So I was surprised they put him in there. And I honestly thought it was just, you know, for diversity's sake, to be honest. But he completely won me over to a point that, yeah, I really like that character a lot. Um, he's he's right up there as, you know, him and him and Kyle are honestly kind of tied as my favorite Green Lanterns. Yeah, I think I think John from the, the, the cartoon is is my favorite lantern. And it's and again, I'm a sucker for anybody that's a vet yeah. in the comics. Like, that's just the way that yeah. my mind goes, um, you know, and it's just they made him. He's so likable. He's such a stand-up guy, and he doesn't take crap from anybody, but he's not a jerk, you know? He's right. a, he's like a real dude, you know? He well, cares that's, you about know what, everybody. I was going to say, he is kind of a real dude, and he has his moments where he's a jerk, and then he reels back and says, oops, I, you know, I made a mistake. I thought yeah. the character was very well realized on the show. He wasn't yeah. just a two-dimensional, you know, he's a heroic guy, he's a vet or whatever. They, they, they really gave him, his character, some depth. Especially when they when they kind of paired him up with the Flash on on that run of the show, and they kind of did the, hey, we could be a couple of hard traveling heroes, and it's like I chuckled, but you know, I mean, the kids weren't chuckling, you guys and, and me were chuckling, but it's like I'd watch a show with just the two of them because that would be great. The flat that Flash and that Green Lantern, that would have been super entertaining. Well, you know, this series is coming up twenty years old this year as well. Maybe we should oh, revisit God. that. I totally just would. Sleep? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd be down. Oh, yeah. I'm just about to head that, into that, that my rewatch of that because they just episode. wrapped up Superman. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, do you have any more uh, honorable mentions? We covered everything. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I we, got we nothing. Could, I got we, nowhere we, else to go. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. <laughs> no, we definitely covered all the, the the big multi episode arcs, but it's like, again, I said it at the beginning of the show, this is the this is what I would use to introduce anybody to Superman if they were interested in Superman, uh, above and beyond anything else. As much as I love Superman the motion picture, um, and in the Christopher <laughs> Reeve timeline of that, I think you get because it has more time to play. And more time to world build. Um, I would I would start with this before I would even start with Batman the animated series because of the world building. The the Batman show is very Batman and Gotham centric, and I love it. It's my favorite version of Batman. 
it, it's great. Even the episodes that people like rag on, you know, like the terrible trio. I'm like, I'd much rather watch that than almost anything else. But this is what I would sit somebody down with. This show, Superman the Animated Series, in the Earth uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what I would give to somebody if they were interested in superheroes. You know, I, I just want to throw out one more character that I don't think we mentioned that came from this program. Mercy Graves. Oh, yeah. I, I thought she was a great addition to the cast, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was I just mean, thinking she's... about her because I think it was Chris that mentioned Ghost in the Machine, and she has a wonderful arc in that episode where you basically kind of learn her origin and everything, and it's it's kind of heartbreaking the way that episode ends where yeah. she goes back to Lex despite the fact that he leaves her to die at one point in that episode. Yeah, she's just a broken person that's with another broken person, and she's just going to do whatever she can I mean, again, it's another one of those characters that uh, she debuted on this, right? And then they brought her into the the full-on continuity. And I can't imagine a version of Lex that doesn't have his mall, you know? And she's not Harley Quinn, you know? She's not like that. She's a very different character. Um, Or she fights Harley is awesome, though. Yeah. She's a a great, no-nonsense right-hand woman however you want to you know a, a major domo however you want to describe her a, a great character yeah. that i i don't really know if i want any version going forward to not have her in lex's canon i just finished reading uh outsiders volume three not long ago and uh, or was it that or was it the outsiders was it the teen titan show on hp i forget it was one of the two of them because i watched them concurrently one of the two of them, I forget which one it was now, had Mercy versus Speedy, you know, Arsenal, yeah, Roy Harper, and that that was some good shit too. But I for, now I forget which one it was, whether it was the comic or whether it was the TV show. I don't remember, but it's been a yeah. while since I watched those two seasons of the show. I can't remember. It was good. I yeah, I, mean, the, I was surprised that I liked the show, <laughs> to, to believe it or not. So, but. I'm a Connor Kent mark, so whatever. Did anybody yeah. have any other honorable mentions? I, I do, I do like the two episodes with Lobo. <laughs> I got, I got two, two left, two real quick ones. I gotta mention Blast from the Past, just because. Come on, Phantom Zone. Yep. Jack Sir. Jack oh, I'm Sir. surprised you hadn't mentioned that already. Yeah, I have, I, I have one honorable mention that I have to do too. Go ahead. Warrior Woman. Uh. <laughs> With Maxima, yeah. I love Maxima. You give me a character drawn like that, with that hair and those eyes and those <laughs> curves, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a man. I like what I like. That is that is a good episode. <laughs> and it's a fun episode because Clark is totally out of his element. I think that's Miguel Ferrer again in that episode, isn't it? Doing yeah, the, as the, the uh, voice the of the usurper guy? Yeah. 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 No, he's a great he's a great character actor. And then my last yes. honorable mention, this one I wanted so bad to put on my top five because I really do think story wise it deserves to be. It, it's held back by janky animation, um, but it's got a great story and just a beautiful score. Is uh, Stolen Memories the one that where... was on my top five initially, and then we kind of breezed through everything. But yeah, that's that's again, a great episode. Brainiac, a great Brainiac episode. Yeah, yeah, it's the one where Brainiac 
meets Superman for the first time, yep. fights him on Earth. It, it's a great episode. The only thing that, that holds it back is that the, the it's got some just piss poor animation, which if memory serves, I think there's a commentary track for this one, I want to say. And I think they address that, you know, they acknowledge that the animation. Kind yeah. Of I think that out. was in a different animation house or yeah. something like that. And it's, it's, it is a shame because again, that's, that's bringing Clark's biological world yeah. to his adopted home world. And, and that just, it carries on that trend of how they used Brainiac throughout the entire run of, this and and then the two justice league shows there's a shot in there where i forget what something's distracting brainiac i forget what but something's distracting him and clark goes into the ship and starts touching orbs randomly and that's where he figures out that not only did brainiac absorb the knowledge of these civilizations but then also once the knowledge was absorbed he wiped them out and there's this great like spin around animation and just the the visuals and the the score in that part is just it's heartbreaking and there's a, a there's a scene where where superman's just standing there like balling up his fists and you can see he's getting really like emotionally worked up and he goes to take out brainiac brainiac that's just a wonderful moment it's one of the best in the series honestly yeah, it's it's pretty great. I mean, uh, uh, all the stuff that they did with like the '60s tropes of Superman, where you know the fortress had the the zoo of all the last people, all the all the last of the, whatever species it was. It's like, right? Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I think about with Superman. He's the last of his race, other than Kara in the the Phantom Zone criminals. And I think once you go past past that, you're kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. It kind of takes away the super. Yeah, it, it, I, I got no problem with Streaky the Super uh, Cat or, you know, Streaky any of that. I mean, for crying out loud, they used Beppo in the right way on this show. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Every, I did comment on that when we were watching it. Yeah, everything that they, they – they took the stuff that they liked, that they remembered as a kid, and they molded it into something that would be appropriate for a new version. But they hit all the high points. I mean um, – Candor is in the show, right? If I'm remembering correctly, don't they? Don't Isn't they... that the name of the planet that Superman finds Supergirl? Because she's not biologically related to him in this series, at least not in remember. in the animated series. But yeah, then but later they retcon that in Justice League because he she does refer to him as her cousin. And so, that's fine. I mean, you know, yeah. you didn't know what you were doing at the but time. But I, I want to say that the world that Superman rescues her on i think the world is called candor if i'm not mistaken you know as a nod to to the old comics yeah. oh and by the way streaky he's not a super cat but streaky is a cat in the episode um that's right unity he's yes in yes he is you're right yeah but it's like i mean they took the most ridiculous of the uh, uh, comics code era stuff and they and they worked it into something that is totally in line with what they were trying to do. They they hit all the high points of what you expect with a Superman show and with Clark Kent and with Lois and Perry White and Jimmy. I mean, they made a Jimmy that I don't hate, you know? (laughs) They made a a Mixie Spitlick that I don't hate. So, yeah. So it's, I mean, that takes 
somebody that loves the material, that remembers it fondly as a child, and says, oh, I'm in control now. What can I do so that everybody will like this? You know? And it's kind of the thing that Marvel has done with a lot of their stuff in the, you know, the feature films. Let's take the really weird stuff and, and we'll, we'll shape it and mold it so that all four quadrants are going to be able to walk in there and go, I really enjoy that and I like these characters. I think we summed it up pretty well. I mean, they, they, they threw in Dr. Fate. It sounds like Hero could just keep going all night. I could. I could. <laughs> I, my wife knows. So. I was just saying, it's not what I've heard. <laughs> I'm have to talk to her after this. And with that note, <laughs> I think we're going to have to uh, take this out. But I want to thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining me. This has been an absolute blast. Yes. And uh, I say yes. Let's reconvene and uh, let's look at some Justice League here in the very near future. You got it. Hey, look. Thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at bins at two truefreaks.com or by joining the back to the bins group on facebook back to the bins is a proud affiliate of the two true freaks internet radio network which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
Hello and thank you for calling the Tales of the Justice Society of America 24-hour live human being customer service hotline. Hello, I... Unfortunately, all uh. of our representatives are sleeping. Or busy. Uh, busy. All of our representatives are busy right now. But if you stay on the line, your call will be answered in reverse Hungarian alphabetical order, starting with the letter... D. Okay. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line. Alright. We are experiencing longer than usual wait times. Your call will be answered in... 94. Minutes. Please continue to hold. Your call is extremely important to us. Please stay uh... Check us out on the web at www.2truefreaks.com. Your call is ridiculously important to us. Yeah, Please if my call's so important, then why don't you answer it? What the f*** is taking so long? You may be asking yourself, what the f*** is taking so long? Um, Please be sure that we'll be with you shortly. Please continue to hold. Answer. Answer the goddamn... <laughs> Let me check, is he still there? Ah! Guys, he's still holding! Oh, Jesus. We're sorry for your wait. Please continue to hold. God damn it! Tales of the Justice Society of America returns soon with brand new episodes. Stay tuned.